This may be hard for you to understand, but there is no conspiracy. Nobody is in charge. It's, it's a headless blunder operating under the illusion of a master plan. Can you grasp that? Big Brother is not watching you. What kind of fucking explanation is that? It's the best you're gonna get. I looked and the only conclusion I could come to is that there is nobody up there. Somebody had to say yes to this thing. What thing? Only we know what it is. We have no idea what it is. We know more than anybody else. I mean, somebody might have known sometime before they got, they got fired or voted out or sold it. But if this place ever had a purpose, then it got miscommunicated or, or, or lost in the shuffle. I mean, this is an accident, a, a forgotten perpetual public works project. You think anybody wants to ask questions? All they want is a, is a clear conscience and a fat paycheck. I mean, I leaned on my shovel for months on this one. This was a great job. Why put people in it? Because it's here. You have to use it or you admit it's pointless. Listening to the Buzzed Kill Podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. It is episode 71. Welcome to the Buzzed Kill Podcast. For being stuck in a never ending array of empty rooms with no way out to the real world isn't just a movie plot. It's my life. <laughs> and poor, to that it is. Poor guy. <laughs> I had nothing. Poor Michael. I think your little 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 self-deprecation humor <laughs> always always starts things off on a bang, right? Thanks for explaining your joke. That always makes a joke better. Mike. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Jim. And I'm Justin. Yo! And um yeah. It's good to be alive, boys. It's good to be back with the two of you gentlemen. Yeah. Nice to see you. I haven't yeah. seen you since last week. I actually haven't seen you. Since last week, I'm addressing my beer. Oh. I realized I haven't had a beer since our show last week. Oh. I've had, like, I had a couple of hard ciders from Blake's Apple Orchard, El Chavo. Mm, very with nice. With the uh, Habanero. You don't like Yum. El Chavo, do you? No, I don't. But I like Blake's. I like their other stuff. They have a new one called Archimedes, and it's with vanilla and elderberry. Yum. Sounds old. Gots to try that. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I get it. Elderberry is old. Uh, I'm going I'm to explain every single one of my jokes tonight. I don't know why, but elderberry just got put into the Webster's Dictionary this year. Really? Or last year, rather. 2017. Was it like a slang name for... I have no idea. I actually don't know what an elderberry is. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old berry. Older than the rest of them, if you will. And very wise. I was going to say, it's very wise. It very commands wise. a lot of respect. So, uh, I had a I had a snowball fight with a, a possum earlier. A earlier. snowball oh. fight with an opossum. With a possum. It's an opossum. No, it, you don't oh. pronounce the O. <laughs> oh, opossum. Oh, no, I, uh, uh, yeah, I saw him. I saw him trudging through my backyard, and I went out and I just laced him. So did he throw back though? It was kind of a one-sided fight. <laughs> Who won? Huh? Who won? Him, unfortunately. <laughs> he hissed at me. I know it sounds cruel, but possums suck, and I don't want them in my yard. So I, I went out and I, I did what I had to. Do. I defended not only my property but my honor. We got this one that'll walk past our door wall, <laughs> and he'll walk past like about ten o'clock every single night. Well, up until the frozen tundra of negative five Michigan started coming, you know, I think he's hibernating down in, in a in a hole somewhere, as I would if I was a possum, a possum. 
if I, if I, if I was a, a opossum, opossum. Uh, if I was a opossum, um, but yeah, but he would walk past, we'd be sitting there watching TV, and he would just stop and look in at us and smile. And I would smile back, and then he would carry on. <laughs> oh, so you guys had like a moment, like a daily moment yeah. every, every oh, day. Like that nice. big ugly possum. Ugh. And then like, but there's been times where I've been sitting out like on the uh, on the patio, like smoking a stogie or something. Yeah. And uh, and he would walk past, not in the light area. He'd always came from the same direction, but one time he came past right out of the dark to my left, and uh-huh. it was like a foot away from me, just looking at me, and I'm like, <laughs> Oh God! Oh, Carl, Carl, it's just me, Carl. <laughs> Justin, don't worry. <laughs> my my buddy Jordan was uh, he he lived in Grand Rapids. And mm-hmm. to get from the bar where they did I just say Justin or Jordan? Jordan. Jordan. Okay, Justin's older brother, Jordan. Both buddies of mine. Uh, they, he lived in Grand Rapids, and to get from the bar that they usually hung out at to their apartment, he had to walk under a bridge. Like there, it was uh, like an overpass kind of thing. Okay. So it was a tunnel. It was a pretty sizable tunnel. And he gets about halfway through this thing. It's pitch black at night. And he hears something like scuffling around in front of him, and he's like, "What the fuck is that?" And he, "What the fuck was that?" He turns on his phone light, and there's a possum sitting in there, <laughs> and he's blasted, you know. So yep. he freaked out because it was walking toward him. So that's he, a huge mouse. He just ran at it and punted it, <laughs> and he said it rolled about twenty feet, and then it 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 uh, got up and started coming at him again. Well, uh, yeah, I would do. So what? he just ran at it again and. <laughs> Kicked it again and then ran past it. What sound oh does God. a possum make when it gets punted? Uh, no, that one's when a dog gets hit by a car. But yeah, the animal, the animal activists are going to be on us like crazy tonight. Don't worry, there's a vegan here. Yeah, exactly. As long as we say, as long as we say this stuff in front of the vegan and he's not offended by it. Oh, that's how that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's how that works. So. Uh, We're not talking about real animals getting hit. I don't want any animals injured. <laughs> well, I, I would I would challenge any animal rights activist to hang out with a possum for a day and then tell me that they're awesome because they're not. I would challenge assholes. any animal rights activist to a burger eating contest. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd win you know, every time. You know what an animal has the right to be? Delicious. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Suck on that, PETA. All right. Um, anyway, <laughs> so what have you guys done since last we convened? Uh, not too much. Just hanging out. What have you been up to? Uh, I spent a lot of time here, actually. Oh, yeah. You've been... Did some, uh, uh, did some pre-production on some new music that I'm doing. With your band Night Cunt? Night... Uh, yeah, <laughs> is yeah, that right? Sure. Did I get yeah, that we'll right? Go we'll go with it. <laughs> What's your band name? Uh, the band name is Night Hunt. Night uh, Hunt. Now, our, our guitar player, though, it's... It, you know the story. Our guitar player had uh, a dream, which is how we came up with the name. He comes to practice one day, and because we had been jamming for a couple months, we had no name. And he goes, I had a dream that we were on stage, and our name was The Night Cunts. <laughs> <laughs> and... Jokingly, we have referred to ourselves as Night Cunt just to ourselves <laughs> for the last like month and a half or so, and we realized that it's the only name that all of us like semi like and kind of have a good chocolate at. But we realized that you can't name you you cannot socially name your name or your band Cunt. <laughs> it's just not socially acceptable. Now is it? So is we it, did a little little swap. Is it night like the opposite of day or is it night like, yes, like the Sir Paul McCartney? What? Like the opposite of day. Okay. With an N. So it's like going hunting at night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. But with a V. But with a V. With, but with a V because, <laughs> because we're very 2006. Oh my God. Night Hoovunt. There's, there's also two slashes in between. Oh my God. <laughs> what are you guys doing? 
It's it's like one of the most butt rock things I've ever heard. I know. It dude, I'm having fun with it. Night of fun. I am having fun. <laughs> I don't even care. No, but you've been recording uh, yeah, your been demos re- here, right? Yeah, we came in to see Jay uh last weekend and yeah. uh did some demos and uh some so, live pre-production <clears throat> and they uh they, they knocked it out of the park for the pre-production. So when does the actual uh EP start? Next uh, weekend. Is it next weekend already? Yeah. No oh, shit. Yeah. Nice. Cool. I'm gonna come 20, and just, 20th I'm gonna, and 21st. I'm gonna come and just get blasted and tell you what you're doing. Oh, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get blasted and record them. <laughs> yes. God, I've had that happen before. Not great. <clears throat> uh, disclaimer: I, I I don't do any of that while recording. So come see me. Let's record music. Come see Jay for all your fantastic recording. Sober, needs. <laughs> sober recording sessions. But if you have meth, bring it. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Well, <laughs> meth is a, that's a whole different ballgame. It's like math. Everyone uses it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's what I'm up to. Actually, that that kind of if we were going into what we were talking about today, mm. that would have been, nice, been a good segue. That would have been a nice segue, but we're not doing that. So uh, <laughs> why don't we talk about things that we got wrong last week? Yes. Stupid! You're so stupid! All right. Um. So first thing is uh, Stephen King did announce his retirement in 2002. Did he? Yes. After what? Uh, I'm not sure after what book it was. However, it doesn't seem... The reason why you probably didn't know about it uh, is because it doesn't seem like he really stayed retired. He announced it because he had gotten into a really bad car accident in uh, 1999. Oh, I see. And I guess right afterwards, he just didn't have any more <clears throat> ideas for stories, and it was hard for him to write after the accident. Mm-hmm. But then he continued to release things. He, he wrote for... Uh, um, I think it was a newspaper. He did a column for a magazine, maybe. I forget. I don't have it in front of me. But he did a column somewhere also. But then he was released another book in late 2006, and he hasn't stopped. So he did announce it. I don't think that he ever just actually followed through on it. Right on. So that's where I, that's where I remember that from, though, because I do remember hearing that from back in the day. There goes Steve again, not following through <laughs> on his promises. Come on, Steve. <laughs> Get your shit together. Uh, Dawn of the Dead <clears throat> theatrical version from 2004 yeah. was released on DVD. Okay. It was. All I did right. not think that it was uh, because I've literally never seen it in okay. any store I've ever been to. I've only ever seen the unrated version. Uh, it was released, uh, but even the cover art is not familiar, So, which leads me to believe that the unrated version was probably the more shipped and more common version. Oh, okay. Uh, so that <coughs> did happen. And then also, uh, speaking of Dawn of the Dead from 2004, uh, I had mentioned that the dad uh, who had the daughter who would later on have the dog... Yes. I forget his character name, but I had said that he was the dude from Men in Black. It was not the same guy. He was, however, the guy from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, I said that. Yeah, yeah, that's what you said. I thought he was the guy from Men in Black, though, because he looked familiar. And the two guys do look similar, not the same guy. Oh, you're talking about the tall guy with the pug. Yep. Yeah. The Aquilian or Arquilian. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Another correction, probably. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, So I mentioned Deathgasm, not to go back to that from... Uh, you were wrong about the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you! No, uh, I mentioned we mentioned Deathgasm again, and I couldn't think of uh, a the guy's name because uh, uh, Vito said Ricky Six. I was like, wasn't that the name of the guy from uh, that band? And then I, we called him like Hagen Sword or something like that. Hagen the, the Hag- ba- Sword. The band was Haxen Sword, <laughs> and his name was Ricky Daggers. Oh, you were way <laughs> off. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And then also just to uh, just to avoid something from earlier, uh, you do not pronounce the O in possum. <laughs> no, I have heard a lot of people say the O in a in. Yeah, I just wanted to say it in possum before, but you, you don't pronounce it. Yeah, I I told you off off air actually just now. Um, 
I, I for some reason I feel like somebody had told me once upon a time that I was saying it wrong by just saying possum. Mm-hmm. And so for the last little bit, I've always just said opossum because I thought that was actually the correct way of doing it. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Um, I I actually saw a thing earlier about the. Uh, no, I don't even. Real exciting. <laughs> All right. Never mind, it doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, that's uh, <coughs> that is it for corrections. Yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, actually, it's not. Vito texted me today. Why yeah. he didn't bring this up while he was here last week, I have no idea. But apparently, I was wrong from two weeks ago. I said that <laughs> Shane Shane Black wrote all of the Lethal Weapon movies. Yeah, he apparently only wrote number one. Oh, I guess. And I'm thinking maybe I saw that he had written it because of the characters, like on IMDb. Mm-hmm. They have like you know written by and then characters because of the first script. Oh yeah, that's probably what I saw. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he only actually wrote the first movie. There we go. Vito be, Vito being lethal again. Oh. Yeah, with those uh, corrections, Michael. <laughs> Vito lethal power. The, yeah, that's right. All right. So is that it for that's the it? corrections? All right. Um, so this week, <clears throat> this week we're talking about the Cube trilogy. The what? The Cube trilogy. The did I just crack the Cube? Could I have my first one? I don't. I think I did it on purpose. Did you put an O in front of that cube? The O cube. The O cube. The O cube. No, we actually we're doing this. Uh, a shout out to our buddy Carney because he texted me the other day and he's like, "Hey, just in case you didn't know, all the Cube movies are on." Netflix and I was like, oh shit. Before before we so get a the, correction for next week, what? they are no longer on Netflix. <laughs> exactly. Well, so I checked it out and I was like, oh, they're only available until the 10th of January and I was like, well, maybe we should just do our show on that yeah. this week. <laughs> uh, I woke up today and and Mike was like, I hope you didn't wait until today to watch any of these movies, which I did. I had to watch the third <clears> one still. <throat> Turns out they're also on Hulu though, so okay. that's that was pretty nice. Um, so yeah, we're gonna watch. Or we're gonna talk about the Cube trilogy. Little little divergent from our normal horror stuff. More more sci-fi. Definitely still genre, but oh, like absolutely, absolutely. But it's more more of the sci-fi. Realm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's like some there's some great kills in them and stuff like that. So that's true. So yeah, it, that's it, true. It definitely I suppose fits they're in. they're in the vein of like like the Saw movies, actually. Yeah, absolutely. People people I've, trapped and I've trying always, to find a way out. And yeah, I've always, traps and, I've always thought of. Cube, the original Cube, as doing Saw before <laughs> Saw did Saw. You see? see I saw. saw. I saw. <laughs> I saw. I, 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 quickly, I need to apologize to all the listeners. I have a tickle in my throat this evening. Oh, a little tickle. And I do have some cough drops. Is it something French? to soothe that, but I have to wait until we taste this fantastic beer that we're going to have this evening first. <laughs> so, so you're, so you're so coughing I'm, into your so, jacket for the time being? Yeah. The, the, so the I apologize. Nah, that's no problem, Jay. All right, so... Uh, we picked this beer for several different reasons. Uh, a is because it's delicious, and this is this is all you this week. I, feel, I had I had nothing to do with this one. I feel kind of bad that we didn't have uh, John. John's still off on assignment. Yeah, I feel bad that we didn't have him in for this one because this is one of his favorite beers. Where's he? Uh, where's he at right now? Uh, I think New Mexico. Oh, doing ayahuasca. Yeah, I think I always say ayahuasca. Just because I like saying it, it's a cool word. I heard, uh, that, I heard that if you inject it into ayahuasca, in, like make it injectable, and you inject it into a rattlesnake, yeah. and then you let the rattlesnake bite you, I feel it's like, like a total, just completely fucked up eye. I've just heard, though. I don't I don't actually know. Could you explain that joke for me? Because it, it didn't <laughs> land. All right, see, you inject <laughs> no, it. No, shut up. <laughs> what All happened right, so, was... <laughs> so this week, uh, we decided not only to pick this beer because it's delicious, but also because, uh, well, we spun it into, we spun it into, uh, into, we spun it in a way that it works with the Cube series. Yep. Uh, from New Orthodox, uh, or no, this is the New, New Orthodox IPA series from Old Nation Brewing. 
Uh, Old Nation is right here in uh, Williamston. Williamston, Michigan. Uh, How this is, is Williamston? Williamston? It's like yeah. a, I think it's like an hour and a half away somewhere. I, I'm not entirely sure where it is. I'm going to look it up with Jay. Keep going. Thank you. Do that. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, this is the uh, New Orthodox IPA series M43 New England India Pale Ale. This is like one of those... Uh, the, the new style, New England juicy IPAs. The, the new hotness. This is the new hotness. Um, right, right outside Lansing, by the way. And this one, Old Nation is Old Nation's pretty well known for do or for doing uh, like German alt beers and like really traditional style brews. And they didn't really want to get into the New England uh, IPA uh, fad. Yeah. But then, then the, uh, the 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 owners and the master brewer uh, started looking into the actual chemistry of of these juicy IPAs and realized that it's actually a pretty complicated process to get it right. So they ended up doing they they invited a bunch of their their fans into into the brewery to do like a um, like an experimental session brewing session and it turned into M forty three which has Kind of put Old Nation on the map, map in a, in an even bigger way. Yeah, I've had some of their other <clears> stuff. <throat> uh, they make one called Two Crows, I believe. That's very good. Is that is that Old Nation? Fairly certain that they it have is. they have a ton of beers. Yeah. Um, but they're I, not not so like not to say that they weren't on the map already. But M forty three is really blowing up, and then they have a uh, a double IPA of the of this same uh, from this same series, even from the same recipe. Called uh, Boss Tweed, uh-huh. which you've had before. Ah, uh, yes, it is two. It is two crow by Old Nation. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, this is M43, the first release in Old Nation's new Orthodox IPA series. M43 is designed to accentuate the deep and complex character from the combination of Calypso, Sim- Simcoe, Citra, and Amarillo hops. Citrus and tropical notes of pineapple, mango, and grapefruit come through in the huge yet surprisingly delicate aroma. The flavor backs these aromas with a soft, pillowy mouthfeel. Hot bitterness is not particularly intense, which leads to a very drinkable New England IPA even non-IPA fans love. The haze is not from yeast, but rather from an interplay of lipids from the malted oats and oils and acids, which which naturally occur in the hand-selected dry hops. This beer is a perfect interplay between top-grade malt and hops, Michigan water, and brewing technique, which cannot be faked. Hops aren't cheap, but M43 is worth every penny. So you can even tell in that description that they kind of get into the chemistry of yep. it with the uh, the uh, interplay between the lipids and the malted oats and oils. So it's I'm happy they use uh, strictly Michigan waters too, though. Lots of PCP. No, not PCP. PCP. Uh, <laughs> no, what is it? <laughs> what, what's the pollution that's in uh, like Lake Saint Clair? Um, e. Yeah, sure. E. Coli. <laughs> PCP. <laughs> um, oh, that joke fell flat. Um, well, no, but the Great no. Lake, the Great Lakes water, no, the, the jam. Lakes, like Great right now, it, isn't somebody uh, fucking Rick Snyder's trying to sell off a bunch of? Did you hear the deal that he's trying to do with uh, Nestle? Nestle? Oh, we, oh, isn't it mean, because his wife his is like on, on the, the board? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick Snyder, if you don't know, is our it's governor, and he's a piece of shit. Of shit. When so, Flint, uh, <clears throat> when Flint had its water crisis, which by the way. They're still going through. Yeah, people, it's not in the news anymore. People in Flint, we're going on like a year now. Uh like three years. Oh, is it really? <laughs> it's been a long time. Well, I think maybe closer will, to two, but like it's been pe- a long. People time. in Flint are still having to drink bottled water because was, their water sucks. Yeah, and it shower was, with bottled water. Yeah, and stuff too. exactly. It was national news last year. Right. 
um, and people just don't hear about it anymore. And most people that, that maybe did hear about it probably think that it's over and done with. No, it's not. No, it's not. It never got there's lead in their water. Right. Like it's it's <clears throat> shit. And now and now Rick Snyder instead of dealing with that is trying to spin a deal into bottling Great Lakes water and well, selling it to Nestle for, at at like yeah. pennies on the dollar. Basically, because he's going to turn a huge profit and, because his wife is on the board at Nestle. And not he's only, such an asshole. And not only that, though, but when the water crisis was happening, they struck a deal with Nestle to provide the water for the people of Flint. Right. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> we could oh go on about God. this all day long. So, anyway, this is M43 uh, from Old Nation Brewery. It almost looks like orange juice in the glass, doesn't it? It really does. Cheers. Cheers, boys. Mm, that's so good. Ooh, it almost tastes like orange now, juice in the bottle. I like these juicy IPAs. I know that you're not a huge yeah, fan. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, um, we found <clears throat> not only with the uh, the M43, there was another one that I drank. Boss Tweed. Uh, we, had, we had the Boss Tweed as well, but there was another one uh, that our buddy Chris had found uh, that uh, me and John, uh, he was back from assignment for like a day, uh, <laughs> we, me and him tried on New Year's. Yeah. And... Um, I came to the conclusion, I, I I was looking at them, I said, I think I finally found a style of beer that I'm just not a huge fan of. I don't get that, man. It's It tastes delicious. It's just the body. It's just it's too heavy. I don't know. When, when, I, when I'm drinking an IPA and I want that flavor profile, I just don't want that heavy of a beer. <clears throat> you, you essentially know? just described me. I'm, I'm delicious, but my body's a little too heavy. It's true. <laughs> but you don't have a delicious flavor profile. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Oh, <laughs> damn it. I don't know. I really like this. I think it's yeah. delicious. Yeah. I've, never, I've, I've never had it. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and P- Petoskey Brewing. Have you tried the the grapefruit juicy mm. IPA from no, Petoskey? Now that I might like that one's it's really good. But yeah. Uh, anyway, that's what we're drinking. That's what we're talking about. So why don't we get did into you, the bleed actually? Did you ever explain why M forty by the name? Oh no, I didn't. Thank <laughs> I you. <laughs> All right. So uh, sorry. <laughs> um, that was me rewinding. <laughs> Uh, so M43, we decided to go with this because in the original Cube movie, uh, um, prime numbers play a big, big part. Yep. In the original movie, 43 is a prime number, uh, and also throughout the entire series, uh, they the use of numbers and the use of letters are used to coordinates used by the people inside the cube to. Uh, figure out their coordinates within the cube. So we figured that M43, not only is it delicious, but that kind of played into the whole idea behind the cube and its coordinates. So yep. that's why we decided to go with this. So that's what we're drinking. That's what we're talking about. Why don't we get into the bleed feed? The bleed feed. Okay, we got some news this week. Yeah, hit me yeah. with it. All right, we got some awesome news. Uh, we, I I need to start. I I have to start this week by uh, start th- started on the highest of the high notes. Congratulations, Guillermo del Toro. Yes. All I want, like, listen, the the Golden Globes, they're it's Hollywood elite, and and typically speaking, there it's it's pretty cut and dry, and it's not very often that we get one of our own. Uh, in in the golden seat, if you will. True. And the fact that uh, Guillermo del Toro won Best Director on the the second biggest movie stage of them all. Yes. For a movie about a monster is 
I never thought that I'd honestly see the day. Be- I really didn't. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. Um, I, like horror, horror directors or uh, whatever you want to call this movie, it's not necessarily horror, but no, it's definitely it's, genre. It's his it's his take on the, the creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, uh, told through the a much more romantic eye. Right, is what it is. But with the exception of Guillermo del Toro <laughs> and Jordan Peele this year, horror directors famously, yeah, infamously between those two, there's get, more than there ever have they, been. <laughs> they get they get the shaft as far. I mean, like. We've discussed this before. Horror just kind of gets pushed to the pushed to the side. Yep. Nobody really takes it seriously as a genre, even though they've they've proven this year that you can actually say something with sure with genre. Most films. most most horror movies, you know, they'll make these these incredible movies and they'll line up at the Oscars door and they just get a cunt punt right back out. Cunt you know? punt, and and that's all there is to it. Exactly, I mean, they're not given the time of day. And right. this year we got two and Get Out and uh, The Shape of Water. Now Get Out, to my knowledge, didn't win anything. There might have been something a little bit smaller they won that I'm not privy to. Uh, however, <laughs> Shape of Water though, um, best director, man, like it's it, that's awesome. Yeah. The only thing better than that would be best picture. Exactly. You know, and uh, you know that went to a uh, a female director, I believe, Lady Bird won best picture, which I haven't seen, but I've heard a lot about. Um, that being said, uh, I wanted to play um, on on the show here. If you didn't watch the Go- uh, Golden Globes, uh, and uh, you want to hear Del Toro, Del Toro gave one of the most amazing acceptance speeches that I've heard in a very long time because he's just so frank about his love for the genre. And how the genre has has essentially saved his life. I think he actually mentions that at one point. Yeah. Um, and it's great. And, and I thought that we could kick off our news segment now just listening to his acceptance speech because it's amazing. And uh, I don't think you've heard it at this point. Uh, no. But um, it's awesome. Uh, so here here is uh, Guillermo del Toro accepting his Golden Globe for um, Best Director. Let's check it out. Oh, <laughs> wow. I was hoping to wipe my nose with this. <laughs> uh, since childhood, I've been faithful to monsters. I have been saved and absolved by them because monsters, I believe, are patron saints of our blissful imperfection. And they allow and embody the possibility of failing and live. For 25 years, I have handcrafted very strange little tales made of motion, color, light, and shadow. And in many of these instances, in three precise instances, these strange stories, these fables have saved my life. Once with Devil's Backbone, once with Pan's Labyrinth, and now with Shape of Water. Because as directors, these things are not just the entries in a filmography. We have made a, a deal with a particularly inefficient devil that trades three years of our lives for one entry on IMDb. <laughs> and these things are biography, and they are life. And uh, I want to thank the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, Fox Searchlight, and I wouldn't be here. Uh, lower the music, guys, one second. <laughs> Uh, it's taken 25 years. Give me a minute. <laughs> Give me a minute. I wouldn't be here without my cast, my crew, and I want to mention 
a few fantastic women sitting at this table. Sharon, Nancy, Octavia, Sally, Kimmy, and Vanessa. Without whom, I wouldn't be here. I thank you. My monsters, thank you. And somewhere, Lon Chaney is smiling upon all of us. Thank you very much. All right, a couple of things I want to point out. Yes. First of all, Guillermo del Toro, his voice cracked during that during that speech. Oh yeah. Well, he was. If you watch it, if so you, if you watch it, he's like visibly like shaken. Like he did not expect to win. So every time you make fun of me <laughs> for my voice cracking, what are you, what are you I, crying I am, about? I am essentially Guillermo del Toro. Oh, that's oh, what oh, I'm getting at. Oh, oh. <laughs> I I love how like he he. At first, like at the very beginning of the speech, he says he says he he wants to thank his monsters, and people start laughing. But he's dead serious because he's talking about he's talking about this actually saving his life. Yeah, well, it's funny. I was gonna bring that exact same thing up when he goes, uh, you know, for the last such and such, I've been faithful to my monsters. You hear some chuckles in the yeah. audience, and I think people originally heard that go, oh, it's cute. He makes these monsters, but then like when you hear him talk, though, you realize you realize how deep people are into this stuff mm -hmm. you realize how and, and this is in the fandom too though like they're like this 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 culture and this uh just horror and and monsters and all that like people get stuff out of it that i think a lot of people in mainstream cannot understand like right. it, it's 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 like the underdog story when you when you find that group of like underdog people to to uh Commiser Ident identify, identify with, with yeah. and, and that creates you as a person. Right. Like this is him as a person. This is this is the genre of filmmaking that everything you get out of these big Hollywood movies, you can get out of this too. And but it's like this different world. I don't know. Right. It's like it was like a window into a world that I think people had just never looked through. And people chuckled at it, and it's like you know that those people probably don't watch these types of movies yeah. first and first and foremost. But like you said, it's like. It's I, and this it's kind of the reason we have this podcast. Like, it's a it's something that we're passionate about. Yeah. Obviously, on a much smaller scale, but like, but we watch these movies, we identify with these characters, and and there's 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 deeper seated messages behind these movies that I think a lot of people just don't get. You know, I, I know you love my analogies. Yeah, so many. I'm gonna shoot one oh, of you right hit now. Hit me with a good one. The 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 audience in that Golden Globe was like a like like it's like a school, right? And all the like most all the people in that audience are the jocks, mm -hmm. and they're all like high five each other, good game, smack each other on the ass, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then you have this guy that wins like the the best director out of the entire bunch, and he's from the chess club. And people are looking at this like sort of like half laughing at him, like oh yeah, the chess club. But then they listen to him speak, and they realize, like, wait a minute, there's a lot more to this person than I think we ever thought that there was, and we're all a bunch of dicks. I think I see where you're going with that. <laughs> it's like the popular kids finally realizing the, the the smaller, you know, maybe not as popular kid as being just as good as them, right? You know, and um, <clears throat> and it was just a nice thing. To, it was a nice thing to see. I love an underdog story, and you know, for I'll just say it again. You know, seeing this guy that 
makes these little monster movies getting his, his due diligence. It's... <laughs> little in hard quotes. Yeah, well. Little monster <laughs> movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though? Like, like he's flown under the radar for so long. Like, he's had respect, but not on the stage. Right. You know? Yeah, well, like you so, said, what was it, 25 years? Yeah, he's been making movies. I love the fact, too, that they... Oh, they he said, he said come on, lo- get, bring the music down. It's been 25 years. And then they actually did... Have you ever seen that happen before? Uh, Where they yeah, lowered the music back some, down? Some. Sometimes they'll play it, and if you're persistent enough, they'll just stop because it's annoying. Yeah. Um, now, he followed this acceptance speech up right after the uh, Harpo acceptance. Right oh, after, really? Right after the Oprah thing, which was a huge deal. The internet blew up yeah um so he that's what he had to follow with and i think he fucking knocked it out of the park yeah he really did yeah uh anyway all right let's uh moving on from that uh we need to to praise another person uh that person is gary tuncliffe because we got a hellraiser trailer finally for hellraiser judgment this week i've actually heard fucking awesome i've actually heard like i agree with you i i really like the way it looked i've heard mixed very mixed reviews about it what in the Twitterverse? Ah, well, fuck those people. <laughs> this, this is the dude. This is the we finally have a Hellraiser movie that looks like it was made with passion. Finally, I, whether or not whether or not they claim they all were or not, yeah. this one looks like somebody finally gave a shit about the series for the first time in like fifteen years. Right. Well, and and I agree with that because uh, the I, the last one, what was it, Revelations? Yeah. Revelations was made just to hold on to the to the rights of. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Tuna Cliff claims that's not true because he worked on it. Oh, really? Yep. He's been the makeup artist. He's been a makeup artist on the Hellraiser franchise since two. Oh, really? He's worked on every one of them. Oh, okay. So he loves this series. Yeah. Loves it. Yeah, he's very um, passionate about and, it, and, and, and I think it comes through in the trailer for yeah. sure. It's. Uh, so, uh, damn it, I forget his name. What's the name of the new oh, pinhead? I don't, I don't have it in front of me. I forget. Um, I think he looks like he's going to do a, 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 a bang pretty bang-up yep. job. I agree. Um, and he actually, he, he looks a lot like, uh, like Doug Bradley. He sounds a lot like him mm-hmm. without, without seeming like he's trying to be Doug Bradley. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. And, he's, he's obviously different, but they kind of celebrate it, you know? Right. Um, no, I, th- I thought the trailer looked really cool. I had to go back and watch it a few times. It was, it was slightly different than I thought it was going to be. Really? Uh, yeah, I just, I, <laughs> I guess I, I guess I, uh, I kind of, I kind of built it up in my mind to look a certain way. Yeah. I almost had, I, I almost thought it was going to have sort of a, um, like a Baskin feel to it, which in a way it does, like the imagery kind of does. Mm-hmm. But but I thought it was going to have like a kind of a dirty gritty look to it. I see. I thought I think that it kind of does. It it looked it looked a little more polished than I thought it was going to really? be. Really? It almost okay. it almost looked like a a low budget movie trying to come across as a higher budget. You movie. You said this to me, and I completely disagreed with you. I didn't necessarily see that at all. I <laughs> I see where you're seeing it. I don't think that's going to be. Once you're watching the movie, though, I don't think that's going to be anywhere near as bad as you seem to think. That it I is. think that uh, you're probably Paul, right. I hope Paul that Paul T. Taylor, by the way. There we go, is, Paul T. Taylor. Yeah, and and they you know they went and they found another classically trained stage actor because uh-huh. Doug Bradley was a classically trained stage uh-huh. actor. If I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep. And so I I don't know I think he looks like he's gonna do a really good job. They didn't they didn't really feature him too heavily in the trailer. 
which he's which they centered on the Cenobites as a whole in the trailer, which right. I think is awesome because that's how the original was. Yeah, the original movie Pinhead had I don't think any more screen time than any of the other Cenobites. No, not at all. I don't. Think. And I think that's kind of what they're going back to is that he might be the leader, but he's not the main focus. You mm-hmm. know. Um, it seems very heavy on the um, like sexual innuendos that Clive Barker was kind of made famous for. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of like leaned on that kind of stuff. I don't think that it's going to reach the heights that that did. Right. But it's good to see them trying to at least like have a passion for what came before them. Right. You know. Uh, and it seems like it's a det- uh, detective film again. Yeah, sort which, of a cop drama. Which kind of is more the later, I think, Hellraiser. I mean, so I mean, so I guess they've all been sort of-ish. I don't know. The later Hellraiser films, though, are the ones that always strike me as like the cop drama with Hellraiser infused. Well, some of, some of them were actually cop drama uh, screenplays. Yeah, that were like, I think that were sort of adapted Hellseeker, into Debtor and what's um, the other one? Um, Hellworld was the game one. I don't know. There's another one in there too. Inferno. Yes, Inferno. Was it Inferno? Yeah, yeah. those were all like cop drama scripts for the yeah. most part. Um, so I'm actually okay with that. I I I look at Hellraiser sort of as that horror slash cop drama type franchise now. Right. So I'm okay with that. I love that. That's yeah. great. Very much like Jigsaw, or or the Saw movies. Yeah. It's a cop drama mixed with this. Right. No, I th- yeah. but as far as the imagery goes, I I think it looks awesome. The uh, so they they featured the people that they've been showing in the. Uh, like the uh, concept art and some of the set photos and, and like there's the butcher, mm-hmm. like the big beefy dude. Yep. The uh, who's creepy by the way. Yeah. Uh, the surgeon who <laughs> yep. that was one of my favorite parts of the trailer is the surgeon uh, is is dressed in like a gimp outfit with like a like a gas mask mm-hmm. sort of looking thing and she's got uh, she? I, I don't know. I, I, Do you have insight? No, I just, I, <laughs> I guess, I, 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 this might be wrong of me to say because you could really, anybody could be shaped in any way, but like when it pops out of, like underneath the, um, there's like a cloak that it pops out from underneath at the very end and then starts like hacking and yeah. slashing with those giant like fist blades that it has. Fist I, blades. I don't know. I got, I guess I got kind of like a, like a feminine feel from it, Okay. but I could be wrong. I probably am, uh, but no. The 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 imagery, as far as the Cenobites goes, I I really like what they did. There's with one it. character that's wearing sunglasses and its face is all slashed up or whatever. Like the, but it's talking in like a very normal voice. Yeah, it seems a little out of place for a Cenobite to have a normal human voice, but at the same time, I kind of love it. Isn't that one a? Isn't that one supposed to be an attorney? Maybe, something like that. Maybe I don't know. I, I know. I that kind they, of. I kind of hate it. Kind of like it. I. I don't know. It's a. It's a weird thing. <laughs> it's. It's definitely very interesting. Um. But overall, I thought it looked really cool. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm excited for it. All hail Gary Tunicliffe for finally <laughs> making a worthwhile. I'm going to say it right now. A worthwhile entry into the series that well, we have been long waiting for. Don't say that just no, yet. No. No. I'm saying pro- it. No. I'm <laughs> you saying. Should probably it. see the movie nope, first. Nope. I'm saying it. All right. Fine. All right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Friday the 13th Part 3. How do you feel about it? Friday the 13th Part 3. Yeah. 3D, baby. What, part 3? Oh, yeah. What was part... Part, part 3D. What was part... First appearance of the uh, the hockey mask. Uh Oh. Oh, you're talking... Okay. <laughs> I thought I, I thought you were saying, like, how do you feel about them making Friday the 13th Part 3? I was like, where was there a Part 2? <laughs> I thought you were... I thought you meant, like, the, uh, the reboot. Oh, no. Because there was the 2009... <laughs> no, no, the original. Uh, we've been... So, we've been... We talked about this before. Uh, there's a Friday the 13th Part 3 
uh, documentary coming out. Okay. Well, that, that's uh, specified just on that movie itself, um, and we finally have a uh, a release date for it, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, f- excuse me, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, the Memoriam document documentary. The what? The, Memoriam. The Memoriam documentary. <laughs> Sorry, a little, a little burpeth there. Burpeth. Burpeth. Uh, <laughs> will be released you Shakespeare on all of a uh, January thirteenth, which means. At the airing of the show, it'll already be out. Oh, cool. So it comes out three days from now. All right. So by Sunday, when we release this, mm-hmm. it will be out. Cool. And you can get it for the low, low price of free. Where? It is going to debut on the YouTube channel, Friday the 13th Network. Really? Now, what this uh, documentary is about, it is about Richard Brooker, who played Jason in this particular film. Mm-hmm. First one to don the hockey mask. And uh, he passed away, I guess, a few years ago. And so this uh, this documentary is uh, basically about him. It's about him as an actor, him playing the character, and then the movie. So that's why they call that's why they're calling it the memoriam documentary. Oh, okay. It's about him. It's it's remembering him and his iconic role in bringing Jason as we know it to life. And right uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the cast and crew came back. A lot of you know, new interviews uh, mixed with new reenactments. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Really, they did something interesting. But um, yeah, so, so that'll be out. What's the uh, what's the exact YouTube page? Do you know? Yeah, uh, we'll look up YouTube channel Friday the Thirteenth Network. Okay. Cool. So Friday the thirteenth network. And Just that's that uh, today's today when we're recording is the tenth. Yep. So, so that'll be out days. on uh, what sat- Saturday? Uh, I believe that Saturday. Saturday the thirteenth. Is it? It's not Friday the thirteenth. Too bad it wasn't like Friday the thirteenth. I know, right? Um, it's the closest <laughs> they could get. Yeah, Saturday. Uh, speaking of documentaries, we are also getting a new Nightmare on Elm Street documentary called Fredheads. Ooh, Fredheads. Which is uh, all about the fandom that takes place within the franchise. Cool. So it's uh, it's basically it's not about the movies themselves, but about the people that love the movies. Um, this is brought to my attention actually by um, a friend of ours, a guy named Ryan Logan. Uh-huh. Uh, he, uh, he, was, he worked at a venue that we used to play music at a lot, and he is a massive fri- uh, or Nightmare on Elm Street fan. As is as, apparent by his uh, his Halloween costume this year. He, hmm, man, his... Well, no, that was Friday the 13th. I'm talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still no, stuck on he, Jason here. He does own the multiple real, like, razor gloves and whatnot. Like, he's a massive, massive Freddy. More, He's way more of a Freddy fan than he's a Jason fan. This guy, is he really? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. His, well regardless, his his Halloween costume this year was awesome and spot on. Stupendous. He goes he goes all out this uh yeah. this guy that we know he goes all out every year for Halloween. He like buys masks like like custom real, custom masks that are like several hundred dollars and just Well just the one that he it. got the one that he had this year was like a seven hundred dollar mask. It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, anyway, though, uh, so he brought this to my attention, though, and it's uh, apparently he knows some of the people that were involved in making it, I guess. Oh, cool. And he went to the um, that convention where Robert Englund put the ma- put the makeup on for the very last mm. time and you know, the photo ops and all that. So he was a part of that. They were filming this documentary at that convention. So, um, yeah, Fred Heads uh, is going to be coming out soon. There's no release date for it yet, but they just released a t- uh, trailer for it, a teaser. So, so this is, oh, this is the one that they were shooting at the, at yeah. the convention. So and, it's basically and amongst other things, but that one that he was at, yeah. But I think what that is, uh, or like a good portion of it is, uh, they actually did the interview while Robert England was getting the makeup applied to him. Like he's uh, no, no. Or was that a different one? It's a different documentary. Oh my god! Yes, there's a documentary <laughs> that 
uh, Robert England is making, I think, himself about being in the chair for the last time and his experience. This is a fan documentary. This oh. is all about the fandom. This okay. is all about the fans and this and that. No, I'm sorry. I'm getting all twisted around here. <laughs> I forget. Did they say how long his makeup took to apply his makeup? I have no idea. I think it's like four hours, isn't it? Maybe. I don't That's know. Pretty, well, I guess you got multiple people working on it. Sure. Too, At this point, it's probably big pieces of it to blend together. I, I know I mentioned it before, but people that don't know, my sister's a professional makeup artist and does you know theatrical makeup and stuff like that. And so we did myself as you know Freddy Krueger. Uh, for Halloween once or a couple times, yeah, and, uh, and it took about four hours making the with the skull cap, and I was trying to do a lot of it on my own too, just to be hand on with it, yeah, and uh, and like another four hours like the following day applying it all and stuff. It's about eight hours total. Did yeah. it really? Yeah, wow. I'm sure. I'm sure with like Robert England though, that like his artists have it down to a science. Oh, you know, yeah. right at yeah. this point. Yeah, we're figuring it out as we go. <laughs> exactly. we, you know, neither of us have done it before. So I'm exactly. sorry. Uh, Nightmares in the makeup chair. That was That's the one the that one. I was thinking That's of. That's okay. the one. Um, all right, moving on here. Uh, Jason, yeah, I'm gonna come back to that one. Uh, <laughs> Netflix uh, has a new Godzilla flick. Godzilla flick coming God, out this week. Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> new Godzilla movie this week on Netflix. Really? Yeah. Uh, sort of. It's Toho's <laughs> animated feature about Godzilla. Oh, cool. It's called Godzilla Planet of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. It takes place in the future and like Earth is being destroyed and people have to come back and like save the planet and it's it's total anime. If you're into anime, it's going to be right up your alley. Um, I'm not a huge anime person, but I am a huge Godzilla person, mm. so I'll probably give it a watch. Mm-hmm. But for all of you Godzilla fans out there, January 17th, it gets released worldwide on Netflix. If I was going to watch anything in anime form it would probably be a Godzilla, Godzilla. movie yep. or, or porn or, <laughs> or porn I love those Ten- tentacle porn yeah. <laughs> we know <laughs> um, yeah it's crazy there's like, like like spaceship looking planes like firing lasers at them and stuff in the future and I don't know it's kind of uh, it's it's bonkers it's anime it's, it's bonkers <laughs> So, um, do you have any Blu-rays? Uh, Blu-rays yeah I've got just one this week mm-hmm. um, Day of the Dead Bloodline DVD and Blu-ray release is on February 6th from Lionsgate. Okay, that's quick. Uh, yeah. Jeez. Well, because when, when did that movie actually come Last out? Last weekend. Yeah, so... Uh, it's already on VOD. Mm-hmm. So I should probably use my movie pass to go see it this week in theaters before it gets out. Probably. Yeah, this one I was... Uh, we I, I think we talked about it last week a little bit. I was not... I, the, the trailer didn't pull me in. I a was lot, in, but I like, was intrigued, but I was cautious. Yeah, I, I think you were a little more into it than I was. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm. It's not like I'm not going to watch it. I'm still going to watch it. But uh, yeah, so that that drops on February sixth from Lionsgate. Uh, special features: Day of the Dead, Bloodline, Reviving Horror featurette. That's all. That's all the information it really has. It's just right a little now, bit of a so. documentary that talks about them. You know how what the process was. I'd be interested to know. Where they started from and how they ended up making remaking my favorite Romero movie. Mm-hmm. So that's at least there's that. So yeah, for sure. I would prefer a whole documentary on it, but that's just being greedy at this point. <laughs> all so right. uh, yeah, that's all I've got for blues this week. All though. right. So the last piece of news then. Uh, this is just fun. Jason Bloom recently mentioned that he'd love to do an Insidious Sinister crossover movie. Really? Uh, in a in a recent interview, somebody asked him if he's ever considered doing it, and he uh, basically said that was on the table at one point in time. Uh, they didn't make it, but it's something that he still wants to do, and if they ever did it, that would probably be the one. So a crossover between the Insidious monster and the Sinister monster, I think, would be actually pretty cool. I think they're I think they both exist in the same world, and they both look similar, 
and it would be a kind of a good pairing, you know? It's not too. When like, you say you don't mean the monsters, you mean the the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like yeah. they're both similar in tone, similar. You know, uh, I don't know. I think it be. I think it could be. Uh, could be kind of cool. Um, when you say uh, you just you just mentioned Blumhouse, and it made yeah. me think of something. I saw something on on Twitter earlier. Uh, Insidious and Sinister might cross over, but Blumhouse also wants Friday the Thirteenth. Did you I see that? I did not see that. Let me see if I can uh, pull this up real quick. Breaking news! Breaking news! This Justin. This was actually like hours ago, so I'm, I'm not sure why you didn't see this. Uh, and my, my shit's loading real slow, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is coming from JoeBlow.com. Okay. Uh, insidious. I'm, I'm just going to I'm gonna read it to you because I, I didn't read the whole thing yet. Uh, Insidious The Last Key is doing very well at the global box office, so well that Insidious 5 is already looking inevitable. During an interview with the Brazilian website Cinepop, Insidious franchise producer Jason Blum confirmed that there are hopes for more Insidious films beyond The Last Key. In fact, Blum is so pleased with the franchise that he can see it surpassing another supernatural horror series he pronounced, or he produced, Paranormal Activity. Uh, the Paranormal franchise topped out at six entries, and Blum says he would like to exceed that number with Insidious movies. Don't get ahead of yourself. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because they talk a little bit about the uh, the crossover between Insidious and Sinister. Uh, the interview quoted above is embedded below. While we chat- while chatting with Cinepop's Renato Marathon, Blum also mentions that Halloween isn't the only slasher franchise he'd like to work on. He would love to make Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, well, he'd love to make it. That doesn't mean they're going to, though. That's kind of—it seems I'm, like it's a bucket list kind of thing. No, I'm just—I'm just—I I guess it wasn't so much a news article as it, it is like I—I want to know what's your opinion on that. Jason Blum taking over Friday the Thirteenth. Sure. You think so? Yeah, it's—I it's, mean, it, Blumhouse is like the new New Line. Quite frankly, when it comes to horror, like New Line was like you saw New Line and it was not a horror movie. You knew it was going to be good, or at least you knew there was going to be care put into it. Right. That's that Blumhouse is, is that new horror label that, yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah. Um. So while while you were looking that up, I was looking to see if I could find it. I actually just came across more breaking news. Oh jeez. Apparently, we're getting a Critters TV show. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um. I'll, I, this is from BloodyDiscussion.com. I'm just going to read you what they have on here. Uh, over thirty. Uh. Over 30 years after the original Critters arrived in theaters, uh, the four-film franchise, which has been laying dormant since 92, is now getting its own TV series. An exciting bit of news that comes totally out of left field, Variety reports today that Verizon's Go90 has ordered Critters, a new binge from Blue Ribbon Content, the Warner Brothers Television Group's digital studio. Um, Let's see here. The creative team behind Zombievers will be making it. Zombievers. Writing, writing, produce, and directing will be the Zombievers crew. Well, honestly, which Zombievers was amazing. <laughs> so I, I'm totally on board. <laughs> honestly, you could probably just you could probably just take all the Zombievers out of Zombievers <laughs> and replace it with Critters, and you'd have a, have a, a decent Critters movie. <laughs> or better yet, put Zombievers in a Critters movie. Oh my god! <laughs> now you're just getting crazy. <laughs> so that's fun. There you go. All right. Um, anyway, that's uh, I think that's all the news that we, we should, have for we this week. We should probably stop reading verbatim off of websites <laughs> and get to our fucking tofu for the day. So that's it for the news. Boom! That was the news. All right. We're going to take this news section. We're going to wrap it up into a nice cube. 
and uh, them. systematically kill them off. Yeah, that's the one. Throughout this, they'll see faces ripped apart with hooks, a man slashing himself into a bloody pulp, and graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description. Picture this. You wake up. Take me there. You wake up. Yeah. You're in a big old empty room. Mm-hmm. We'll sit the inside of a Lamont configuration. Yeah. There's nobody there. Mm-hmm. There's doors. Yeah. And they open. Okay. Then they lead into another room. Mm-hmm. That looks like the Lamont configuration. And then you go into another door. And for the 100 doors after, it's the same thing over and over. What do you do? Um, I call up Tobin Bell and I'm like, is this a Saw movie? <laughs> I didn't want to play a game! <laughs> First of all, uh, it's Lament. Kim Lament, Peter. sorry, Not Lament. Lament. <laughs> I do have an uncle Lamont. Oh, do you? I do. It was his. That's actually what I was talking about. It's, <laughs> the, the, it's, it's the Lamont configuration. It's made out of bush light and, uh, and, and swear words. Because... <laughs> Because that's all you can do. After. Instead of a whooshing sound when the door opens, and I'm going to whoosh, it's just, fuck. fuck! <laughs> Every time. My uncle Lamont, he uh, not to get too morbid, but he had a stroke. He's a, he's he's my great uncle, so he's okay. a, an older gentleman. But that, he had ma- a, that makes it okay. He had a <laughs> well, he had a he had a stroke, and I was like, the first time that I went to see him after this had happened was it was a few years after it happened because he lived uh, in another state. I didn't see him too often, and I went to see him. And uh, he he couldn't, like, he still had all of his wits about him, but he just couldn't speak as well as he used to be able to, okay. and it frustrated the shit out of him. So he would go to tell you something, and it would just kind of come out as a jumbled mess, but he could still really hit the curse words. And he'd get so mad about the fact that he could, because he, he wanted to ask me about my life, so sure. he'd look at me and he'd start saying something, and it'd just kind of, like, come out all jumbled, and then he'd just go... Fucking son of a bitch, goddamn! Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd laugh. He was like good natured about it. But sorry, there's a little backstory about me and my my extended family. All right, well, um, <laughs> thank you, Uncle Lamont. Yeah. <laughs> All right, no, I'm I'm serious though. Like, like uh, you're you're for <clears throat> one minute you're at your kitchen making some dinner. Yeah. And the next minute, you know, you're fucking passed out on the floor of a giant cube. Yeah, it would definitely be strange. And uh, and a little disheartening, uh, to be you. honest. A little disheartening. <laughs> a little disheartening. Why am I in this giant cube? Uh, I man, I really I this the original Cube movie. Like I said earlier, I always it, it kind of did Saw before Saw did Saw. A little bit, yeah. And it, it it starts with like one of the coolest kills. One of the I actually the back grid. actually back when we did our uh, when we did our top ten kills. Uh, episode, which yeah. was like like fifty episodes ago or something. I kind of wish I would have remembered this one because it's a great kill. You basically uh, you, you start with a close up of somebody's eye opening, mm-hmm. and then it it, it kind of pans out and you realize this guy's waking up and he's and he doesn't know what the hell is going on, and uh, he starts exploring this cubed uh, room and then he heads into another room and. He steps into this room with a certain amount of confidence, and then all of a sudden you just hear this sound, 
and you see this like look of terror on his face and then he just you, you see like trickles of blood start to come down his his it's face so awesome and then he falls <clears throat> into a hundred pieces because just thudding the floor <laughs> because because he just got swiped by this like giant mesh screen that sliced him into it's like razor blades for uh yeah yeah and it's awesome it, it's a great kill it reminded me of in resident evil there's the <clears> dude <throat> that gets cut by all the uh different laser lines in the first resident yeah movie. yeah very similar exactly but that was in 2002 this was 1997. This was 1997. So, so um, if you've never seen the Cube movies from 19, the the first one from uh, 1997, <clears throat> six complete strangers of widely varying personality characteristics are involuntarily placed in an endless maze containing deadly traps. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a mind fuck. Uh, directed by a guy named uh, Vincenzo Natali, yep. uh, who directed um, Splice. Splice. It's probably his biggest thing he's ever done. I still haven't seen Splice. Uh, neither have I, uh, but it looked good. Uh, he did a movie called Haunter that was starring um, that oh, girl that, that you uh, don't like. Uh, oh, the girl from uh, I can't think Sun, of her name. Uh, Little Miss Sunshine? Yes. Yes, I can't think of her name. She was in uh, Maggie yeah. with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Fuck, I can't think of her name. <laughs> um, he also did uh, a segment on ABCs of Death 2. He did You for Utopia. I don't remember that one offhand, but uh, he did that. He's also done episodes for TV's The Strain, Westworld, Luke Cage, Hannibal, Wayward Pines. This guy, since doing Cube, he has done a lot. Pretty were, busy guy. Were you talking about Abigail Breslin? Yes, yes. I, is she in Splice? I don't think uh, she's don't, in Splice, dude. I don't think that we said she was. What did you say she was in? Haunter. Oh, Haunter. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. Listen to me. Uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, Cube. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I don't know what else to what to say about it. Like, it's. Um... Oh well, let's not talk about it then. All right. All right. All right. Good night, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cube. Like, it, it's one of those movies where there's no setup to it. Like, no. literally, there's no setup. You, no. You start the movie the where the characters do. Actually, from start to finish, it's very ambiguous. You yeah. really don't... If this was a standalone movie, which Vincenzo Natale intended, intended it for it to be a standalone movie, it's you get no answers. No. You you get the, uh, the speculation of the participants, mm -hmm. but that's really all you get. Yeah. And I kind of like that. No, I... Because uh... it, it makes it scarier. It's like, why the hell is this thing here? Like, you, there's... There's certain theories thrown out by people in within the movie, but and you could you just don't know. You You're, could choose to believe one of those, but and you know you know from from learning by the characters that they're not all. You you can't believe them all. Like they're not all they're not all like good people. So you don't know what to believe. You don't know who to believe. There are all these different theories being thrown around. <clears throat> well, you also you also learn that nothing is random either. Yeah, they've all been placed in this cube for a reason. You have. Uh, you have uh, a girl who is um, uh, brilliant when it comes to math, mm -hmm. and you really don't get that from her at first. You just think she's this kind of innocent young girl. Like, why the hell is she put into this thing? But it's then leaving, you leaving, right? Uh, Levin. Lord Levin, sorry. Yeah, um, she's actually top bill on this on this movie. Yeah, which is weird. <clears throat> um, but she. Uh, you know she's she's a brilliant mathematician. It turns out, mm -hmm. it, which plays into a, a which plays into the whole idea of the uh, the numbers, the the uh, the grid, the uh, what the hell was I what what did I call it earlier? The the coordinates. That's it. Thank you. The coordinates. <laughs> I couldn't think of it either. <laughs> that, 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 I'm staring at you, hoping you're gonna find it. I, I willed it to you. Yeah. That's the how that uh, the coordinates of the uh, of, of the, where they are within mm -hmm. the cube. Yep. 
and essentially they find out that they're not it's not just one room obviously no. they keep going from room to room trying to find out which ones are booby trapped and which ones are safe to go into and they kind of work out through uh this girl's this girl's formulas that it's quite possibly 26 rooms long by, by 26 rooms wide by 26 by, rooms yeah, high a giant cube so something like 17,000 rooms in this yeah. place possibly which is insane can you, can you think of a facility that could house something that big it's got to be like area 51 right well they even they even <laughs> say it it's because uh, they find out that one of the characters actually had a hand in designing the mm-hmm. outer shell of it mm-hmm. and it's he said it's 400 like 473 feet high and if it's a cube, if it's a perfect cube, it would be 473 three feet high yeah. by yeah. wide by yeah. by uh, deep, you know. So it's it's a pretty massive place. What? Seems like it should be more than that. Why? I don't know. How big did they say the rooms were? 14 feet by 14 feet. Oh, okay. Never the mind. math is there. I mean, yeah. No, I was thinking. I was thinking they were bigger than that for some reason. Um, okay. So roll call. We have uh, Levin, who we just talked about the mathematician. Levin. Or Le- sorry, I don't want to see Levin. I don't know why. <laughs> There's an A in her name. It's weird. Um, you have uh, uh, Worth. Uh, Levin was played by Nicole DeBoer. Yep. Uh, Holloway. Uh, yep. yep. Played by Nikki Guadagni. She was the doctor. She correct? was the doctor. Yeah, she was a right. Yeah, she was a doctor. You have Worth, who was played by uh, David Hewitt. Hewlett. Hewlett. There's, there's an L there, in there's, his name. And this one, there's an L. Yes. Unlike my H and Forhe last <laughs> last week. <laughs> and, un- and not unlike your O in a possum. Yeah. In possum. Yeah, I like adding uh, letters to yeah. words. It's fun. Um, <laughs> Andrew Miller plays a character named Kazan. Now, Kazan is a very interesting character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got some sort of like brain damage going on. You don't know exactly what's going on with him. Well, not brain damage. I, that seems a little... Uh, well, based well, on well, the information that you're given in the third movie, that's would, one. That's would, kind of what I'm taking into consideration. Would suggest though. something else, but if you've only seen the first Cube movie, yeah, okay, he seems like he has some sort of cognitive impairment. Okay, sure, sure. We'll we'll get to why I said that towards the end here, right? But um, well, yeah. So Kazan, he's he's might be my favorite character because you just don't really know why he's there. You don't like all these other people. They're they they're they're mathematicians, or they're you find out uh, some characters are um, um, not, not bounty hunters. Uh, 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 which one? Who are you talking about? Um, I, I'm I'm talking about Quentin's character, which we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, Mar- uh, Maurice Dean Wint plays a character named Quentin. Yeah, and Quentin turns out to be a um, he's a cop, isn't he? No, I don't think he's a cop. I think he's a. a um, the guys that you hire to find somebody for you. A private investigator? Yes, yeah, a private eye. I think that's what he is. No, you're Maybe an your, ex-cop. No, you're getting your movies mixed up. Am I? Yeah. Fuck. There, <laughs> there, was, there was another character in the second movie, in Hypercube, yeah, who was right. a private eye. You're right. Totally uh, jumping the shark there. Quentin was a cop. Cop. Yep, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Um, and then you have uh, Wayne Robson, who played Ren. Mm-hmm. Ren was, it, it turns out, they find out he's a... Uh, um, a well-known escape artist, basically. He's, yeah, he's, he's escaped from like all the maximum. He's, he's been in many maximum and... security pres- uh, prisons, and he's escaped all of them. Um, and then, uh, I think that's it, really. Yeah, that's, a, at, that's at, the very, at the very beginning. The guy who got spliced into a million piece, pieces. His name is Elderson. He's played by Julian Richings. He's, he's not important. Though. Well, fuck, I, fuck that guy. Well, he is because <laughs> Julian Richings is a well-known character actor. Fair enough. But um, anyway. 
so here's the weird thing about this flick is is I, I first saw this years ago, and uh, I remember loving it. Like I remember being like, "This is such a unique movie. I, I'd never seen anything like it." Mm -hmm. It's literally one. It's one soundstage. That's it. One set that they would change the colors of the panels to make you think you're in different rooms. Right. And so you know, to make this movie, it's it seems like such a weird process because you're never leaving the same set. And, right. And and that's that's got to be tough on the actors to to be able to. I don't know. It's it's all about their performances to to progress the story. Now, you know, it, it'd be interesting to because uh, psychologically, they say that like you know, like for instance, uh, um, a McDonald's is designed in yellow and red. Yeah. Because yellow and red give you a sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. It makes it makes people want to go in, get their food, eat as fast as they can, and then leave. Uh. So, like, the idea of color playing into your psychological state, I wonder if that... I, I have to imagine that that would have had to play into how these people played their their parts. Like, if you were... So, the, the rooms were either... They were white, they were blue, they were green, and they were red, right? Yeah. Is that it? So... You would think that, like, and and they didn't they didn't film the movie in chronological order because taking the time to change the panels of the rooms mm -hmm. from the different colors, uh, it was it was a pretty timely process. So they would they filmed everything. You know, I don't I don't know the exact order that they did. Uh, they actually, them, they, they started with, them all one color at a time. They started with red. Okay. Uh, they started with red, and then <clears> they moved on to the other colors. But you would think that like. Like you said, being in those rooms for that amount of time, uh, with those different colors surrounding you, I have to imagine that it would affect your performance in uh, some absolutely, way. Absolutely, right? yeah. I, I mean, just color in and of itself has an effect on on people. Right. You know, just that's what I was just, saying. Like, what with it does, the, yeah, yeah. I would imagine that the white room was probably the easiest for them to to act in. Like, it's probably the more no most normal of the rooms. Well, and white's kind of a soothing color as it is. They actually did say that the actors the actors really liked uh, playing their roles in the white room and they hated playing their roles in the red room. Well, sure. That you makes know? sense. And it's... And it, and it, on the surface, you would think, oh, it's just because it'd be kind of annoying to be in a red room the whole yeah. time. But it, it probably actually did kind of mess with their psychological state. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. Which is, it's kind of interesting. Um, okay, so if you've never seen the Cube movie, I mean, even the first one here, um, what you basically have is you have this group of people that are in a cube. Mm -hmm. They uh, they eventually find, they, they start off separate, but they eventually find each other. Mm -hmm. And then they start moving as a group through the different doors. You have, uh, for each cube, there's one, two, three, four, there's six, six. doors. One on every surface, basically, ceiling, floor, all four sides of the room. Right. And uh, when you open the door, it leads into another cube. And you're basically just a mouse in a maze at this point. Like, you're just going from, from identical cube to identical cube minus the changing color. Right. And uh, some rooms are totally clear. They're totally fine. There's nothing wrong with them. Other rooms, though, are booby-trapped to kill you. Right. And they basically need to find their way out. That's what this entire movie is. It's mm -hmm. just this group of people trying to not only survive the cube, but survive themselves. Um, and that's it. Like it, it seems like a pretty boring concept, quite frankly, because it's the same thing over and over and over. But um, this movie, it, it, it's weird. It, it, it excels and... What's the opposite of Excel? Uh, 
fails maybe yeah and and, and the, kind of the same thing like you need for these actors performances to be amazing to progress the story forward without it getting boring from being in the same place all the time right mm-hmm. that at the same exact time though i felt as though a lot of the the performances were just so over the top for no reason whatsoever like there's no there's no good reason for these people to be acting the way they are towards each other I'd and say the performances are so crazy. It's just like, oh my! It's a. <laughs> I'd say in particular, uh, Quentin. Yeah. Well, um, his, Maurice yeah. Dean Wint, who he ends up. So a- actually, in all three of the movies, you end up having uh, one single character who kind of takes on the role of the villain. Yeah. Um, which, if you're in this situation, it it definitely, especially once you find out that you're all there for a reason, it would serve you to kind of help keep everyone alive yes but which most of them are on board for right but typically <laughs> but typically you have sort of a sort of a uh, a firecracker in every in every one of these casts of people who ends up sort of being the antagonist and in this one uh quentin ends up being that that person and yeah his his performance was just like it took me out of it a few times because yeah. i was just it like really man did. you are really really overacting this it, it it wasn't enough to make me dislike the movie. Like oh, I no, still no, I still no, really like the movie, but I was I was like I was like maybe reel it in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he um he played the role of like like I said he he wanted to be like in control, and you could tell that his character. I think the arc was supposed to be that he's kind of going crazy as the movie progresses because right. he's stuck in here. But he plays it to he plays it to such a way that it's it's almost like comedic. Like you can't help but almost laugh at the way that he's acting. Right. Like everybody else in the cube is trying to figure their shit out and be logical and, and keep it together. Yeah. And figure out the mathematics and everything else, and he's just like freaking out, trying to like I can I don't know like like control a situation that he has no business controlling whatsoever. Well, one of the questions that made me think of is like if if you had a situation like this in real life. Would you actually? Because if he would just slow down and listen to reason and listen to logic, he, he would have had such a better chance of getting out yeah. of here alive with other people getting out with him. And it made me kind of wonder, like, if there's if there's just certain personality types, like at like alpha male type oh, type sure. people in real life, who just if in a situation like this just wouldn't listen to reason or logic. Oh yeah. I it's, it's I know people that it's something would act that you're the same way. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's something that you're faced with in a lot of horror movies actually. Like you typically have that kind of alpha male who wants to take over and thinks he knows better than everybody else. But if you have people who are giving you real information and and they're obviously like their intellect is like a huge tool. Yeah. To to help you progress through this thing and help you get out of here alive, why the hell would you act like such an asshole? Yeah, I don't. It, that, that's it's never made sense to me, quite frankly. Like I'm, I'm always of the opinion that being a team player is the best way to go. I've never understood those people that like to take control of a situation and threaten with force and like I don't know. It's it's never made sense to me. Yeah. Another thing that I noticed that um, that the Quentin character started is at the beginning of all three movies. It starts with that asshole character mm-hmm. ripping somebody out of the tunnels between the rooms, and throwing. <laughs> yeah. them Every movie started with that. <laughs> I Every single movie. <laughs> I was like, "Why do you get like, like if you if if you were in this room and you saw somebody pop out of one of these other rooms, my 
my gut reaction would not be to, I mean, because you're you're talking about assault the person. <laughs> well, they're halfway up the wall, which means they're seven feet in the air. If you grab them by the collar and slam them down on the hard floor, there's a good chance you're gonna seriously hurt them. <laughs> yeah, it's like can, what can cost them perhaps. <laughs> like, like just don't be an asshole. <laughs> and, but in all three movies, it happens. And and you know what you know what else happens in all three movies? What? Not getting killed by another character. What do you, wait. Like, nobody assaults another... Aside from the asshole dudes, Yeah. nobody assaults another character. It's not like there's people in all the rooms, like, hunting these guys. Right. What are they so fucking afraid of? Right. Especially in some cases, they've already met other people that are totally fine. <laughs> yeah. What are you so afraid of? <laughs> uh, I just don't get it. Well, um, it, do, it does play into the idea of the characters because... Uh, uh, one of the one of the cool facts about the movie, the first one anyway, is uh, all of the characters were designed after, designed and named after actual prisons. Yes. So their 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 names and their character types were supposed to be representative of different prisons that actually exist in real life. So um, you have uh, Kazan, who was the uh, the one with the cognitive impairment. Mm-hmm. He was representative uh, of uh, the Kazan prison in Russia, which is well known as a very disorganized prison. You have Ren, who was the escape artist, mm-hmm. or the mentor, as they call him. Uh, he was uh, that the Ren prison is a jail that pioneered many of today's prison policies. Now, I, I don't think it was so much about his uh, his idea of or, or the idea of him being an escape artist as it was that he he knew things that other people didn't, mm-hmm. like little tricks. Mm-hmm. And like he, he, he's the one that introduced him to the whole boot technique of throwing a boot into the room yeah. to test to make sure if there's traps or not. Right, there. they would take one of their boots and and take the lace and and lengthen the lace out as far as it could go and then throw it into the room to see if it was trapped. Mm-hmm. He also introduced them to the idea of sucking on one of the buttons from their their jumper. Which I'm gonna come back to, to those buttons. Oh yeah, I'm gonna come back to those buttons. Yeah, no, I, I I think I'm on the same page as you. But he told them to suck on the buttons from their uh, from their suck on this, suck on this, <laughs> from their jumpsuit to keep their saliva going so that they could stay hydrated a little bit. Um, I love my prisoners. What? <laughs> uh, Quentin was named after the uh, San Quentin prison yep. in California, I believe, uh, known for its brutality. And Quentin was an asshole mm-hmm. and very brutal and ended up killing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holloway is a women's prison. Makes uh, sense. That, that goes without saying. Uh, Alderson is I love, a... I love movies about women's prisons, by the way. You were watching one when I came <laughs> over to your house not too long ago. Na- I was watching a movie called The Naked Cage. It's terrible. <laughs> which was just... It it's was an old a, canon movie. <laughs> old exploitation yep. film, right? Yep. Uh, which was just a... It's a women in prison movie. Basically just a, a, a reason to show a bunch of, like chicks fighting and having like lesbian sex scenes that was the canon way back in the day <laughs> I, it, I, I i've said it before i'll say it again i love trash cinema and that is it's it's, it's kind of you know so then uh, on. so then you had uh elderson who was uh the, the one in the beginning who got caught up in the mesh Elderson is a, a prison where isolate, isolation is a common punishment, which he's I thought that himself. one. I he's thought that one was himself. cool. Like so, he's yeah. just shown like he's by himself in the nope. beginning, and sure. he doesn't make it out of it. Uh, Leavenworth. Who's Leavenworth? Or no, this one says Leavenworth. It's they. It was a typo. Leaven. Oh yeah, Leaven. Leaven runs to a rigid set of rules, and that, that makes sense. That's she's kind the mathematician. Of, she's the mathematician, yep. so she's yeah. And then the new prison, corporately owned, is Worth. Nope. Who. 
Worth was, it, you find out in the movie, was a hired architect. Yep. He was the one that helped to design the outer shell yep. of the cube itself. So, yeah, I just thought that was pretty cool that they... Yeah, I know. Just sort I, of a little Easter egg sort of I thing. I agree. It was. It's very smart. It's not something that you would ever probably pick up on unless you are... Unless you know about that kind of stuff. Right. I don't think the casual viewer would ever pick up on that. No. But uh, it's a cool Easter egg to pick up, though, if you know that kind of thing. Or if um, you're or if you're super good at looking at the trivia section of IMDb. Which we are. Which we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, it's weird. As much as I love these movies, as much as I, I'm fascinated by how they, they progress, mm-hmm. there's... The one downfall is that it is which is the same thing that is its 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 strength is that it's just one thing over and over and over and over. Yeah. Yes, there's different traps. Yes, there's different character developments and whatnot. But essentially, the entire movie for an hour and a half, it's the same room over and over. Right. Like, there, it doesn't progress um, in the sense that normal movies progress. You know. So we can talk about this flick. Yes, they they need to find their way through. They eventually. I don't want to give how many, how many spoilers do you want to give away for this. I, we always give all the spoilers okay, away. Okay, so. all the spoilers. <laughs> so they eventually figure out that the, the cube is 26 by 26, right? No, 14 by 14. No, no, the the, the main structure. Oh, 26 about. rooms. By 26 by wide. 26 by 26 by 20 Yeah, so it's... So one of the equations that Le- uh, Levin figures out. Levin. Why do you keep God, saying I, that? I thought I was right that time, too. <laughs> <laughs> Levin. One of the, the, one of the things that Levin figures out with the... Um, with her mathematics is that there is one room that is outside of the, of the parameters of the 26 rooms. Right. And she comes to figure out that that must be the one cube that kind of travels around and eventually becomes a bridge to the outside of the structure. Right. So they, they basically need to figure out their equations and get to the end and get outside. That's the whole point of the movie. Right. And, um... Well, and throughout the movie, they keep hearing this, like, mechanical shifting sound. Yes. To me, just using my supreme brain power and my very real sense of logic, <laughs> I would just assume that the place was shifting around, right? I mean, maybe. If you didn't know where you were, though, why the fuck would you just automatically assume that you're things are shifting yeah you're right but you know? i don't know i don't know like i, there I guess could be a, there could be a generator next to you for all you know that's true i don't know i guess like i guess i just for for all these people like for levin i, I like there's at levin and holloway there's some pretty good brain power in this movement in this in this yeah there's good brain cube. power like you but you can only but you can only use that brain power you know, towards what you know, and they don't know anything. Yeah, that's true. It's all guesswork. Yeah. The entire movie is, is guesswork, and luckily, um, Levin is... I got it right. Uh, luckily, <laughs> Levin is smart enough to kind of figure that out. Right. And she does lead one... I'm not going to give it away, but she does lead one person towards the exit, mm-hmm. and that person walks into a blindly white room, and that's that's the exit of the movie. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's on the outside. You never find out. And it's totally ambiguous, right. and it's awesome, and it's like you walk away from this movie, just going, "What the what the fuck did I just watch?" Like <laughs> you kind of have to like like just kind of think about it. And once in it, terms of of, of of its simplicity, yeah, it's a, it's effectiveness all in the same breath, you know. Once again, going back to the idea that uh, Quentin just couldn't help himself from being an asshole, mm-hmm. if. If you're thinking about this as a standalone film and you don't know what comes after, you don't know what that blindingly white light is that they walk out into. Yeah. 
instead of just one of them escaping this place, four of them could have. Could have. If Quentin would have just not been an asshole. You're a dick, Quentin. <laughs> but he is. And, and even at the end, like, even even at the end where he shows up in the final cube that acts as the bridge, yeah. if he just wouldn't have done what he does right then, even still, if he would have changed his mind, all four of them could have walked out of that place. Absolutely. So frustrating. 100%. <laughs> I don't know. Um, those final coordinates, though, do you remember what they were? The final coordinates? Yeah. No. Uh, they were M43. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're out of luck. Are we out? Because all we have is B-U-D-L-I-G-H-T. Well, just like Quentin, he was a little bit light of buddies. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'll give we'll it to you. We'll let that one slide. <laughs> um, so that's cube, though. I mean, and, and I don't want to give too much more away. That's cube. Yeah, that's cube. It's a very, it's a very rudimentary thing. You open one door, you go to the next room, and it's just a, it's a rat maze. Well, and at the basically, you, you said, you said it's, it, it's kind of in all these movies, it's kind of the one thing after, or the same thing again and again and again. And at risk of, at risk of sounding like a complete asshole because I know I will when I say this, but it's really, it's more of a character study than oh, it is oh, than it is about moving from room to room. Is it a... Um... You're, like, you're, you're, you're really, you're really uh, getting invested more in who these people are rather than what their plight is, you know what I mean? Is it moody? Oh, it's definitely a, it's definitely a mood, <laughs> definitely a mood piece. It's not. It's not at all. <laughs> all right. I, even I will say that. It's not. So let's move on to Cube 2. Hypercube. Mm, cube 2. Hypercube. Um, I'm going to go on a limb here. Yeah. I'm going to have, I'm going to have two points. Okay. So there's two definites, at least in my mind, about okay. this movie. A, it has the best title. Cube 2. Hyper, Hypercube. Hypercube. Yeah. It's like Street Fighter 2. Hypercube. Yes. It's Cube Squared. <laughs> cube Squared. No, that'd be three. Yeah, it's not. That'd be Cube 3. Squared is three. No. Isn't it? <laughs> squared is cubed. Or no, our cubed is cubed is three. To the third power is ah, cubed, you jackass. Cube so cubed squared hypercube. Yep. That would yep. be like six or nine cubes or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. <laughs> so this um, is cube squared hypercube two thousand two. What? I think this is the best of the children. Really? Yep. This is my this this was my fate. I like I like the fact that we're disagreeing on this. This was my favorite. Really? Yep. Okay. Well, let's get into it then. So, uh, <clears throat> eight strangers awaken with no memory, sounds familiar, mm -hmm. and find themselves in a puzzling cube-shaped room where the laws of physics do not always apply. Well, at least that's new. <laughs> Here's what I, I, I like. I actually like, um, I, I kind of think that this whole trilogy is sort of underappreciated mm -hmm. because not only are they, it's, they're, all three are very... Very different in their execution. Yes, they're very creative. Mm, yeah, and uh, and they all have some like each of the three movies have something very different going on. They do. Like I think it's that... still people trapped within a cube, but within the confines of the cube, there are very different things going on in all three I movies. I disagree a little bit. I think that the first movie, and we'll get to the third, obviously, but like mm -hmm. the first and the third share more similarities. Now, granted. But story is completely different. Well, that's what I'm saying. But you, in terms of the cube themselves, though, I think that the cube in one and the cube in three are more similar, and the cube in two is way more interesting to me. Okay. Way more interesting. Well, let's get into it. Um, so, Cube Two, um, directed by uh, getting. Uh, oh God. <laughs> yeah, try this one, Mike. 
Go ahead. Andres, Andres, Andres Sakula. Andres, I'm gonna go Andres. Andres Sakula. Andre, oh, that's what I said. Andres Sakula. Yeah, yeah sure. fuck you. I said it right. Um, now you might not know the name. Uh, however, he has worked on some pretty, pretty fucking famous stuff. Uh, he was a cinematographer on Reservoir Dogs mm. and Pulp Fiction. And American also, Psycho. And American Psycho and Hackers. Nice. So a lot of cult, uh, a lot of cult favorites. He's been a part of. Mm-hmm. So he came on and uh, directed this flick. I could almost see Hackers. Ish, yeah. It's I could, it's I could almost see least. Hackers yeah. living within this universe, the Cube it's universe. It's it. I could. I'd love to see Angelina Jolie in the Cube. <laughs> I wouldn't. Just, I'd, I'd like to see her. Cut into tiny pieces with <laughs> with, with the mesh with the mesh wow. screen. Wow, <laughs> wow. I don't like her. James, okay. That's, Sorry. That's uh, you know what? What? I don't feel comfortable in the same room with you anymore. Just <laughs> um, okay. So, so uh, real quickly, you're not gonna spend a whole lot of time on it, but real quickly, rundown of the people that are stuck in the cube this this time around. Same setup. People wake up. They're stuck in a cube. They got to figure out who each other are. Where they are, how to get out. It's it's a very very similar premise. I don't know if we um, mentioned or not, but it, it the uh, all the people who wake up in this place have their memory wiped. Yes, yeah. So they have no, no one knows so, who they are. So nobody knows how they got there, or why they're there. Actually, what in the first one? I don't think they did. Yes, they did. Are you sure? Because all, all when they would them... ask each other who they were, they knew. They all knew their names. <clears throat> they all knew what they did. Uh, they did know their names, but they didn't know how they got there. Yeah, not how they got there, but like, okay, like, like okay. that. That one has. There a... seems to be different, varying types of memory wipe between the three movies. Sure, because some remember nothing, some remember some, some remember other things. Right. Um, <laughs> that was that was a cool sentence. <laughs> some remember nothing, some remember some, some remember other things. <laughs> It works, all right? Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Continue with your um, bullshit. Okay, so uh, leading the pack this time, you have uh, Kate Fillmore, the character of, mm-hmm. uh, played by Carrie Machette. Um, Simon is the uh, Simon is the new piece of shit, we'll say. He's yeah. the new Quinn. He's the new Quinn. He's the new piece of shit. Um, <clears throat> played by... Uh, g- g- help me out here. Geron? Geron? No, Geraint Lynn Davis. Geraint, okay, Geraint Lynn Davis. We'll go oh, with it. Now, did you did you notice anything about him? I want to ask you this because he I... looked familiar, but I could not place him. No, nope, not okay, no, no, not the not the looks. I want to know if there's anything else that you noticed about him because I know that you're not usually good at picking up on this. Nope. He the accent didn't sound weird to you at all. No. Really? I'm, not, I'm honestly, you're I'm not, really terrible at I'm picking not, up on this. I can't speak him either. All right, this, I'm, te- I'm terrible with accents. This was an example of a very bad American accent. Oh, real? I don't know. It sounded like it just sounded like he was like a weird dude to me. Like I don't know. It just it didn't. I didn't pick up on anything weird. No, I, he's from Wales. Oh. So that this was a uh, this was, and I never know. I never know when the like because they don't really give you the background of who he is. He's obviously American, but he might have been like. Uh, like born in a, def- a different place and then yeah. like came over from there. But would... if if they were trying to pass him as just one hundred percent American yeah. from here, then the accent was terrible. Well, he reminds me of Trevelyan from uh, Goldeneye. I don't know why Sean Bean's character. I don't know why he reminded me of him so much, but he just kind of did. Isn't he Russian though? No, he's British. Is he? He's double. He's double six. 
I believe. Oh, yeah, you might be right. <laughs> I am right, you fuck. All right, uh, we also have Sasha, played by Grace Lynn Kung. Mm-hmm. She uh, she plays the blind person in the story. Uh, she there's a there's a blind girl in the in the rooms that you don't know anything about. Uh, Matthew Ferguson plays Max Reisler. 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 There's an L in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Neil Kroll is Jerry. Uh, who else was uh, Mrs. Miss Paley? Mrs. Paley. Mrs. Paley. Who? Barbara Gordon. Uh, it, it's funny. Like this whole, this whole uh, ensemble was working for me. I was like, yeah, this is all pretty good. Like it's all being acted really well. And then Mrs. Paley showed up, and I was like, what the hell is this? Like why? Did you introduce this character? It seems completely weird and pointless until you figure out that yes, she's she's an old woman with a bit of dementia. Yes, but she par- she plays well, a very key role in what's actually going that's on here. Kind of the genius of these movies is that you you come to find out even in the first one uh, is that all the people are there for a reason. Right, they're all connected somehow, like like sort or at least connected to something somehow. Uh, and she is is not without. You just she's not described. You just described every person on Earth. They're all connected to something somehow. Well, <laughs> something within the cube, though. They're all connected yeah. to the cube somehow. Right. Whether it be whether whether it be each other or the cube itself right. or or something that is running the cube, they're all connected. And in this installment, you actually start to find out where whereas Cube, the first movie, was very ambiguous and yep. you really didn't get uh, much explanation at all. Yeah. In this movie, you start to figure out that uh, the powers that be, you start to get a little more information about who they are. Yes. Uh, because you find out that Mrs. Paley was actually uh, worked for the company, a weapons company, who, once they start to get into this, in, into the plot of the movie, they figure out that it was probably the weapons company who is behind this whole thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so sorry. I interrupted um, you. So Go ahead. here's here's why I love this movie. I think more than the first one is that this one, watching the first movie, and now I'd seen this before. I hadn't seen it in a few years, and I was rewatching it, and I go, okay, yeah, it's fine. They you know, go room to room. This guy dies. This guy dies. Okay, they find their way to the end. Some shit happens. Whatever. A second movie. I have not seen the second movie, so I went into this one blind. And about a half an hour f- or so into the movie, you get to a part where they open one of the doors, mm-hmm. and suddenly. It's the same character looking back at him. Yeah. And it's Mrs. Paley. Mm-hmm. And so she's looking at herself, and you think it's a mirror image of her. And then suddenly the Mrs. Paley from the other side grabs onto her hand, starts screaming. Says, and then an, another Simon shows up, screams at them, don't trust her, she's a lying cunt, or whatever it is. <laughs> that he says. Yeah, he does. Yeah, don't trust this old cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, so, and suddenly you're like, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa! What the fuck just like this? It turned the then entire s- movie on its head. And then all of a sudden, you see this weird, like spectral, sort of uh, um, cube-ish thing projection. <laughs> yeah, like come and and decapitate Simon. Yeah, the other Simon on the other side of this wall, and Mrs. Paley falls off, and they don't know what the hell is going on. It's this weird thing. So, but in that moment though suddenly you're just like oh whoa there is way more to this fucking movie than the right. first one I thought it was going to be kind of the same thing I figured like they're just going to do the same thing they're going to rehash it that's all there is to it right and and from that moment on though I was so engaged because I wanted to know what the fuck was going on like how is there more than one and the way that the movie progresses is excuse me is 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 semi-genius and that like 
spoilers, but anybody that dies, they might come back because right. there's it, it, it in, explores the idea of like multiple dimensions well, and a fourth dimension, a fourth dimension. Yeah, and um, uh, what, do they, what do they call the? Uh, well, Miss, Mrs. Paley, at one point in time, like within these cubes, there's uh, sort of like these runes on the wall. And she looks at one and she, you know, like everybody thinks she's just batshit crazy and yeah. she's just talking out of her ass. And then she goes, oh, look, it's a tesseract. Yes. And and they're all like, wow, what is this old broad talking about? But then, um, uh, what the hell is his name? I can't remember what the guy's name was. Uh, which one? The really nice guy. Oh, um, um, that was Jerry. Yeah, J- Jerry. Jerry, yeah. Jerry's like, oh, no, she's 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 right. Like, it's a, it's a tesseract. A tesseract, if you don't know, is it's it's a theoretical... Yeah, uh, a theoretical uh, property like it wasn't a fart, by the way. This is much here. A theoretical <laughs> model of of the fourth dimension. Yeah, which is it. It can't really be. It's it's impossible to actually comprehend <laughs> as far mm-hmm. as as like us as humans. Like you yeah. can't really. You can describe it, and you can kind of see a model of it. Actually, Carl Sagan has a, a pretty cool video from like the 70s about him describing what a what a tesseract actually yeah. is but it's something that we can't actually comprehend yeah it's it's not feasible like to make no it's I, it, it's 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 a, well, it's, all it's, a, it's, it's a theory right it's a theory yeah it's a fourth dimension that could, that could you know exist right so so you find out that they're basically inside of a, a tesseract which has a fourth dimension, so they keep it's and and this tesseract is basically the entire time that they're inside of it, it's collapsing upon itself. Mm-hmm. So they go into rooms where uh, time is either slowed down or it's sped up mm-hmm. or it's just completely collapsing on itself. So time basically makes no sense in this place, right? So there will be times when uh, when one person is in one room looking into another room and the person that they're looking at in the other room is moving in slow motion. Or you know, you can you can push somebody through one door and then another door on the other side will open and they're right at the other side. Like right. it's like time like I said, time just does not make sense. It jumps from time frame to time frame. One's older, one's newer, one's I don't know, it's it's completely fucked up. You have no idea what leads to what. And I think at one point they even say that this is uh because once again in this movie there are people who were uh in charge of kind of designing specific parts uh in this cube. Yeah. And they say that there's a possibility that this is actually like a government project where they're they're trying to figure out if teleportation is a real thing, mm-hmm. you know? And then they make a joke about Star Trek or something like yeah. that. But, uh, so, no, I, I definitely thought that the, that idea within this movie was really cool. And that's why I said I like this whole trilogy because they do something totally different in all of the movies. Mm-hmm. Because... Even though the first and the third installment are similar in the actual physics of the cube, uh, in the first movie, you've got just the people inside the cube and no other information. In the second movie, you're actually dealing with, like, quantum physics and and, and weird, like, time-altering rooms and stuff. And then in the third movie, you kind of jump back to the physics of the first movie. Mm-hmm. But and you're, how, it all, but how you're, it all works. But you're seeing it from a different point of view, yeah. which which we'll get to. Yeah. So anyway, uh, continue with the second movie here. Yeah, no, I just, like I said, I thought this movie was, was genius. I thought that it kept it on its toes. I thought that the characters were uh, pretty awesome. Um, 
Kate is the character that kind of like leads the pack. Yeah. Like she's the main the main girl. Um and between her and Simon, I think Kate and Simon are probably the two most uh, main characters. Yeah. Simon, like we were, like like I had mentioned before, he plays the the villain, so to speak. Yeah. And his his character, I had a problem with his character. Uh, his character was super confusing to me. Was it the terrible American accent? No, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was the fact that I'm not sure that the actor or the director really understood the character's arc, because. There are some scenes where Simon's a nice guy. Like, he's totally fine. Like, he's, oh, I'm just kidding. Like, hey, play along, this and that. Right. Are you okay? He's asking if people are fine. And then there's other scenes where he just to- completely batshit crazy turns into a psychopath. Yeah. And uh, suffice it to say that he was, like, bipolar. Like, uh, you know, I- I- I'm not sure that they really knew what his character was. Unless. Because he went from hot to cold so fast. Unless that's intentional. Because if you're thinking about the fact that this place is... Uh, basically different different dimensions kind of happening simultaneously it would make sense that some of them overlap at times you know what i mean okay i can sort of see that like, like maybe like the nice guys leaving and the and the, the mean dudes kind of entering yeah well like what like but they all <laughs> but they move as a group though that's the only thing that i'll say against that they move as a group He's never. He's not really ever outside of when they make it apparent. Mm-hmm. He's really not outside of the group. Yeah, that's so true. So it's the same guy the entire time. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not saying so much that he's like uh, replaced by somebody else, but like if if they're in some sort of like weird time loop or like time phenomenon, like if if they overlap, and I don't know, this is something that I'd have to actually like go back and watch the movie and hammer out a little bit more. Yeah. But I don't know. That's there might be something there. It could I'd be, be interested be. to see it again. I think that uh, Simon... There's also the scene where we talked about how when Simon is killing Miss Paisley. Miss Paisley. Paisley, yeah. yeah. I didn't mean to put an S in there. Not that. Paisley. No, Paisley. <laughs> uh, there's a time when he's he's killing her, though, and he's screaming, don't trust this overall, you know, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, old cunt. And um, <laughs> the, the funny thing is that we never go back to that. The movie ends... On a weird, on a weird note, something that you didn't expect, and we'll get there. But like, we never get back to Miss Paley. She ends up dying in the movie. Spoiler. But they they make it a point to talk about how they shouldn't trust this old lady. Yeah. Yet they never explain why. And I'm wondering if there's something more <clears throat> deep seated to that. Well, consider who that information's coming from, though. It's coming from Simon, who's obviously lost his mind. Yeah. So, true. There's a there's a point in the movie, or there's several points in the movie where he seems to be paranoid, and seems to question everyone's intentions around him. So maybe that's just sort of. Maybe it was just misdirection. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I'd buy that. I'd buy that. Um, The one thing I didn't, I it was still cool, but the one thing that I didn't like about this movie is, uh, in in the first and third installment, you have just coming from a, a horror standpoint. Uh, you have like really cool practical kills. Yeah. And in this movie, all it's of the way more digital. All of the kills are kind of done in this like weird, and it serves the story because they're actually, you know, like I said, they're dealing with these weird spectral sort of digital phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, and it, it just it kind of took some of the luster out of the kills for me. I I thought, yeah. like the one really cool one was when uh, Jerry got swept up in that. Uh, 
basically at one point in time a the circulating sort of it was a tesseract yeah. it was like a mini tesseract within this large one and it it kind of i i think it i think it was supposed to show how the actual uh physics of a tesseract would be very volatile mm-hmm and if they made any sounds or any movements, this thing started going crazy in the room, and it and it basically turned into. It kind of reminded me of you remember the end of Thirteen Ghosts? Yeah. That weird like spinning blade thing that mm-hmm. he has to jump through. It kind of reminded this movie me. We had a little bit of a Thirteen Ghosts vibe to it, though, as far as the uh, setting. Really? You know? Yeah, I think so. Why? Bit. I don't know. Because Thirteen Ghosts weren't they in the glass house? Yeah. And it was all like the weird angles and things oh, yeah, were guess. all sort of. Yeah, I, I guess yeah, a little bit. Very vaguely, but it kind of reminded me of it. But like Jerry, he gets swept up in that thing and he gets like hacked to bits. Yeah. That was pretty cool. But other than that, like all the kills were pretty, pretty lame. So we need to we need to talk about the ending only because there's something important to bring up. So this is the first movie now in the in the group of movies that actually gives you somewhat of an ending. Mm-hmm. They uh, there's there's some codes that they figure out towards the end that Kate figures out, and uh, she ends up. And in as, this this movie, it's gone from being. Is it still numbers in this one? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay. They don't. They're they're not looking at the numbers on the individual rooms. They're more looking at oh the buttons. I forgot to go back to the buttons. <laughs> so. They uh the, the what Kate figures out is that there is a there's these letters or numbers written all over these rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like six six zero six five nine I think six zero six five nine yeah six zero six five nine, and they can't in the whole movie they're trying to figure out what this means. Mm-hmm. And um, in the first in the first movie too, they have these plastic buttons that they're drawing on metal with. What plastic buttons do you know can scrape away metal? Uh, I mean, if it was a so- if it was like soft aluminum or something, it would it would probably yeah. Fine, you just blew my my theory to shit. I thought you were going to talk <laughs> about how annoying it was that they were sucking on the buttons the whole time. No, no, what... <laughs> no. It's like, it's like these these hard metal surfaces. They're just writing on with buttons. I don't know. It seemed weird to me. <laughs> no, I, I I could see where it, like you ever go to the gas station, and you see the uh, like the inspection plate. Oh yeah, and, and it's like it's like a it's like, like, like a, it's like a thin piece of aluminum that somebody just kind of etches on. A coin, but that's pla- it's not plastic though; it's metal. What are you talking about? I always I always assumed they did it with a coin. A coin? Why yeah. would they do it with a coin? I don't know because metal and metal. That seems to make sense to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Didn't you ever do? This I, is not important. This no, is not it's important. not. It's not. I thought you were. I no, thought you no, were going to no, go no. back that and was talk about how annoying it was that they were um, sucking on buttons the whole time. But anyway. Uh, so they find out that uh, that six o the six o six five nine part is pretty interesting mm-hmm. because they don't they don't come right out and say it in the original ending. There is an alternate ending to the movie. I was gonna get there. I was gonna get there before you before you before you say this. So let's talk about the ending of the movie. First. Okay. Um, not to give away total spoilers, but you kind of need to know this to get to what we're gonna talk about. Right. Um, so Kate figures out what the six o six five nine means. It's, it's timetable. And uh, there's, a, there's a whole watch thing. Watch the movie; you'll figure it out. But like she, so she jumps through the bottom uh, door, basically of this self imploding tesseract. Yeah. And she wakes up in basically a pool of mercury. In is the, what, is in, what it looks in like in the middle of a giant hangar. Like, yeah, like an airplane hangar, like military complex. Thing. Yeah. And there's a bunch of military guards against the back wall. Uh, <clears> as she wakes up, two two people come up, grab her. They bring her up to like a general. They talk. And she ends up handing off a, a thing that she was looking for. This is where you find out that Kate was actually 
part of the military. Like she actually went in there to retrieve something. She was an agent. I doing an agent. doing uh, research. Basically, yeah. they were basically trying to find out whether or not this uh, this thing would work. Yeah. So they come. They, we come to find out that she's the only person, pretty much, to ever survive it. Which I think was kind of how it was planned. Yeah. And. The, the 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 kicker though is that we would we just watched this hour and a half long movie mm-hmm. that started with her waking up, and so from the point of her waking up to the point of her getting back to the general at the very end outside of the cube, they say you were only in there for six minutes and fifty nine seconds. seconds, which which uh, is insanity. Which you said we watched an hour and a ho- hour and a half long movie. They were as far as their time was uh like their their relative time within the the cube within the tesseract they thought they were in there for months yeah or or days at least yeah they thought they were in there for days and days and days they were all like starting to get weak from hunger mm-hmm. and uh and when she makes it out in the original ending they don't actually address this no in they the cut al- this off. in yeah. the alternate ending they tell her that she was in there for 6 minutes and 59 seconds and and uh, then something happens. We won't get into that. <laughs> but uh, if you if you only had the original ending to go off of, mm-hmm. there are clues within the movie that let you know that it only happened over a course of six. I was six wondering. I was wondering that. Seconds. I would need to rewatch it. I think to actually go and and figure that out. Well, time starts to kind of fold over on itself, and uh, Simon starts to go a little bit crazy. And every time he comes across uh, Jerry, his character, mm-hmm. who has has been wearing a watch the entire time, it's and the has, same time, and right? has been Jerry's been using his, the corner of his watch to scrape like etchings into into the sides of the room to figure out where they are within the cube. Every time Simon comes across this uh, this new uh, Jerry, because. Like I said, time keeps folding over, so these people keep reappearing. reappearing. He keeps uh, stealing the watches from Jerry. And every single one of those watches, if you look at them, they start at like 6. Same Whether time. it's AM yep. or PM, yep. we don't know. But they start at 6, and you see like one's at 6, one's at 6.01, one's at 6.02. Yeah. So even if you didn't have the alternate ending, if you looked close enough, you would realize that they've only been in this place for about 7 minutes. Sure, sure, sure. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. When you think about it. No, it's, I agree. It's, so, it's, a, it's kind of a mind fuck right. to think about. Like and that's why like, the intention one... was to see whether or not time travel or teleportation was a, feasible. Feasible. And does, they, the, does the Tesseract work? Right. And they yeah. kind of figured out that it does. But it's also so volatile that they I can't think, keep it together. I think that's why I like this movie the most out of all of them is, is just because it has that kind of weird sensibility to it you know the weird theoretical principles yeah. and stuff like that can't yeah. case you your toes because you don't know what's going to happen next right it's all totally random you know i think there's you may no have, way of knowing i think you may have mentioned this uh earlier before we even started recording but it definitely has a if you've seen the movie triangle yes yeah from what 2009 something like something that, like yeah. that. Yeah. if you've seen we the talked movie about it on the show if you've before. seen the movie the triangle it has it has a definite Nope. Sort of triangle vibe to it. Absolutely, it's cool. absolutely. I, I put these. These are like sister movies to me. Like at this point, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, <laughs> so moving on to Cube Zero, the third entry into the franchise. Cube to the zero power. Cube to the zero power. Cube zero, from two thousand four. Uh, a young man. So this is this is where you get kind of a, a look at the inner workings of the cube from the outside. Mm-hmm. 
a young man whose job is to watch over the cube endeavors to rescue an innocent woman trapped in one of its rooms. Now, did you like how much they gave away in this movie? I think they needed to. Honestly, for as contained as the first two movies were and not knowing what's going on, I feel like another movie doing the exact same thing, unless they had a banger idea, Yeah, it was, go- it was going to just feel like another, oh, okay, we've... We've seen this. I guess, well, I guess my point is, like, if if you only had Cube and maybe Hypercube, yeah. and it was all so ambiguous and you really didn't have many answers, would you have been okay with them yes. ending it just like that? Yes, I would have been. That being said, like, though... Like, this movie gives away everything that... Well, not everything that's going on. There's still questions left after you this movie. No, in fairness, you know next to nothing even after this movie. You really don't. Yeah, there's like I they, said, there's still a lot you, of questions. They give you like if if you have a pie, right? And cube one was an eighth of the pie. Cube yep. two was another eighth of the pie. Cube three was like like a like a sixteenth of the pie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it, it didn't really tell you much. There's still like a whole nother like pie to ingest. I want pie now. <laughs> Just give me some pie. Um, okay, so Cube Zero, directed by a guy named Ernie Barbaresh. Um, he was a producer on Cube 2, as well as a producer on American Psycho. Who knew those these two franchises were connected so much? Yeah. Uh, he also wrote Cube 2 and Cube Zero. He wrote both of them. Therefore, I just, I just had a... Oh, what? Did you say American Psycho? Yeah. Well, I just had like a weird. <laughs> I just had a weird thought. Well, at the end of American Psycho, uh, after everything that he's gone through, he finds out that nothing that he actually thought happened happened. Or I've never seen American Psycho, oh so thank God, you for the uh, spoiler. Well, well, there's it's it's one of two things: either everything that he thought happened didn't actually happen, or he lives in a culture where nobody pays attention to anything, so they don't really... We should watch American Psycho yeah, and actually do an it. episode on it because there's there's a lot of theories behind it. But anyway. Um, okay, so uh, you have two main, uh, two main characters. You have uh, a character named Eric Wynn, played by Zach Bennett, and then Dodd, played by David Hubbard. Yes. Um, these, two, these two guys, they're basically... Uh, for the first time in the series, you get uh, a glimpse of the outside of the cube world. Yet, it's still very much inside the cube world. Right. They're basically, these are the two guys that control what happens in the cube. You start to get the idea that uh, it's not random, that somebody is actually calling the shots, even if they don't know who it is. Right. And they're just, they, these are guys that have a job, and they do their job. Right. One of them happens to be smarter than the other. And figures out that there is something going on that is bullshit. Yeah, and that's basically where this this whole story kicks off. Uh, so we meet the character of Cassandra. She is the 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 main character, if you will, in the queue at this point. And her name was Cassandra. Cassandra. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Wayne's World. movie, Wayne's World. There you go. Um, okay, yeah, so Cassandra, she's the uh, she's the lead. Like she's the main girl that is stuck in the cube uh, at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, she <clears> was based. She remembers. Here's the thing. She actually remembers a little bit about her past, unlike a lot of other people in the series. She had a child. Mm-hmm. They were in the woods, and that's all she remembers. Right. So her whole thing is to basically find her <clears> kid and. And 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 in this one, you get a little bit like like Mike said, you get a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain 
regarding like the memory wipes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. they show how they actually they not only wipe the people's memories, but they will uh, they record their dreams. Yeah, that's which a, is weird when they're thing. asleep. Sure. To uh, it's not creepy at all. <laughs> no, not creepy at all. Don't record my dreams. So <laughs> so uh, the character of Eric kind of starts to realize that. Well, he kind of starts to question what's going on. And the character of Dodd keeps telling him, just keep your head down, do your job, stop questioning everything. Uh, yeah. And for good reason, because they're supposed to be working with two other people, uh, Chickless and Owens, who, or Owen, not Owens, uh, who are gone. You know, Dodd keeps telling him, oh, he's Who's on vacation. One of them's on, one of them's yeah. on vacation again, one of them's sick. Uh, and then nah, they nah, they're dead as shit. Yeah, they dead. They dead. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Eric starts to kind of piece things together and figure out that like maybe these guys aren't actually gone on vacation. Like maybe they got they started digging a little too much, started getting a little much, uh, too much information, and then his suspicions are confirmed when they actually see the character of Owen inside the cube. Yeah, they dead. As shit. Well, not dead. Uh, <laughs> they they get a they get a call from upstairs. Like these guys are in some sort of subterranean layer. Yeah. Uh, in their office, and they get a call. Very from... nice elevator, by the way. <laughs> it's really super nice elevator that leaves down there. <laughs> they get a call from upstairs, which they never really they never really like explain. This is one of the parts where they don't really explain. They still don't explain who the higher ups are. No. But this movie starts to touch on like the. Uh, like at one point, so Owen, who was supposed to be working with them, ends up in the cube, but you really only see him almost at the exit. Yes. And they get a call from upstairs saying, there's a subject by the exit. We need you to intercept and, and go through the exit protocol. And so Dodd and, and, and Eric... That's okay. I'm sorry. When I said he was dead as shit before, I forgot that he was alive at one point. Yeah, they, they find Chickless later yep. and he is dead, yep. but... Uh, so Owen is almost at the exit, probably because he knows the inner workings of the place, but he's obviously been beat up quite badly. And they decide, and, and they get the call from the higher-ups saying, you need to go through the exit procedure. Yeah. And the exit procedure is basically, once this guy's at the exit, he steps into the, the bright white light that you see Kazan Kazan. That's the thing. This is, this is step the first into at the end of the first movie. Yeah, this is the first big connection to the first movie because... Kazan steps into the same exact white light in the first one. Right. And so now you're actually understanding what that bright light is. And in the first it's movie... It's just another room. <laughs> it, well, in the first movie, you don't know what to make of it. Is, yeah. it, is that bright white light just like the overwhelming uh, light of being outside, outdoors again? Yep. You don't know. And that's just the way it ends. But this one, you see that the bright white light is just another room. And the exit protocol puts uh, Owen in shackles again he's mm-hmm. shackled around his neck and for some reason uh over the loudspeaker dodd ends up asking him the exit protocol is state your name he states his name yeah. I, I think my name is owen they've wiped his memory and then they say do you believe in god and based on his answer there's two buttons that they can push yeah no or yes and he says no i don't believe in god what kind of god would do this to people and when he says no, they hit a button, flames shoot up, he gets fried. But then uh, Eric asks Dodd, 
what happens what happens if they say yes and he says no one's ever said yes so it it's kind of I don't know it's strange they got into like weird territory in this one I yeah I think they got I think there's a a, a bit of a <clears throat> social undertone to the whole thing I think it's I think it, it's not in your face it's, therefore it's a little bit difficult to um, understand yeah you know from the outside I think there's absolutely a reason that that was in there um, I don't know though I, I it could be anything they don't give you a whole lot to go on you know right. They really don't. It's it's really up to you to just kind of form your own opinion, and that's it. Like, there's no no roadmap to to explain to you what they mean by it. You know. Well, there's a character. Uh, so basically, Eric finds out that they Eric finds out that Cassandra might be inside the cube under false pretenses. Yeah. Because you you come to find out that uh, that maybe the subjects within the cube were actually criminals of some kind well that's and what they tell them that's what that's, that's what, what the that's what the higher powers they, are telling and they, them and they volunteer to go into the cube as opposed to the death penalty right uh win finds out though eric eric win yeah uh he finds out though that, that there's the, no consent form for one of these characters for cassandra so he decides that it's his duty because let's be honest he has nothing else going on in his life he draws good but he's stuck in an underground lair he's a good artist um so he decides to go in and save her he knows the the workings of how it works and he understands that this girl who was a political activist was thrown in there for just being a political activist right and it's not fair so he's yeah. gonna he's gonna go try to get her out and that's basically the entire gist of the story mm-hmm. it's the it's it's no different than any of the other cube movies other than the fact that because this ends up being a bit of a prequel to the first movie, yeah, you know your cube is no longer like the hypercube like it wasn't too. The, the cube is it's old school. It might actually be first generation cube, right? Um, you know, it's very it's very primitive. It's very much you know doors open by twisting shit and that's it. You know, <laughs> there's no hyper shit. There's no parallel dimensions there's no you know it's just there's none of that like it's it's back to basics it's just a giant physical cube a giant physical cube on a physical, shifting rooms and on a physical grid right. and the whole deal and so you, so outside of of but the circumstances I, it's more or less the same thing as the first movie i'm still a little confused by this it, like they they take like a weird existential turn though when they start asking about god like do you believe in god and then once eric Ends up in the cube. Yeah. These guys from upstairs show up. Uh, this guy, Jax. This, this like, weird, like... I, I actually really liked the character a lot. The guy with the, the robotic yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah. I actually liked his character a lot. This, uh, this guy, Jax, and his two cronies show up. Um, and, and they're trying to hunt Eric down inside this place. And he actually turns to Dot at one point in time, and or no, 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 it's it's after they it's after they actually catch Eric at the end. Spoilers, they catch Eric at the end, and he says to him, "You have uh, committed crimes against your government and against your God. Yeah, and now you've been punished to two life sentences, two more life sentences. It's almost as though in the future we have we have a government that is strictly faith based." And that's it's a social commentary on that. But, but I think. they never, but they never really answer the like because they keep getting this these 
calls on this phone. There's like this one phone that's. You think it's a call from God? I don't know. Like that's why Ooh, I said I they never it about took. That just now. That's why I said it took like a weird existential turn because it's like, are they actually receiving calls from the higher power telling them what they're supposed to be doing? Maybe God's been replaced by a man. Or like, or or they've been led to believe that there is. Yeah. There is a higher power who's calling down to them. Because you basically find out at the end that even Dodd and Eric, who were the guys who were supposed to kind of be overseeing what was going on within the cube, they themselves were actually test subjects. It could also be the idea that, that the cube is basically the version of hell. and Those people are that's, a gatekeeper to hell because they that's have, they have the elevator. The elevator goes up and the elevator goes down. Right. And if you go down, you're in the cube. If you go up, it's where the, the calls are coming from. Well, somebody even says that in, I can't remember which which one. I think it, it might have been this installment. But so somebody, the cube is just Or hell. no, I think somebody says it in the first movie, like maybe we're in hell. And I kind of thought, like, I think that might be it. Shit. I, I didn't dawn on me until just now, but that might be it. But based on, based on, uh, ho- uh, not Holloway, based on the, the girl, I can't remember her character name, based on the girl getting out in the second movie. Yeah. And, and meeting up with the people in the airplane hangar, that seems much more like uh, it's. Kate? Yeah, Kate. Yeah. That seemed much more like it was military or government based. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not quite sure if the intentions of all the movies are really connected all that well. I feel as though each director probably had their own idea yeah. of what the cube was. Mm-hmm. And they're very loosely connected by... And they even say in the third movie, though, that they that one of that... Um, what's his name? Uh, the main dude. Um, Eric? Yeah, Eric. When uh, actually says you know that he's heard that there's other cubes. You know, mm. so there, so that kind of opens the door to these not being connected outside of the fact that it's the same program, right? But different places, right? That le- and I think that's important because I think they are probably the hypercube is obviously not the other cube. You know, mm-hmm. there's certain places that are doing it better, certain places that are doing it worse. Different, you know, I think they're 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 different settings in different places and different people in different places. Yeah. Um, going through different experiences, yet it's all part of the same program. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, but like I said, it, it's is the program actually? Is it? I don't know. Does it have a higher meaning, or I don't know? Like uh, I, I feel like I feel like it's it's weird because these are three kind of like silly movies yeah. on the surface, but this is probably one of those conversations that we could. Go back and it's like true. we could we could probably end this and have the like a problem, four hour conversation the, the about the problem this. is though is that you have three different minds though approaching the same material <clears throat> with three very different interpretations. Well, and I think that I think with that this they, particular, I think that they all made the movies with uh, obviously not the not the first one, but the other the other two installments were probably made with the writer, first one in mind. You know, sure, and I I, I I don't know. I just wonder if they. Maybe they're not meant to connect. Maybe they're just meant to be singular visions of the same idea. Maybe they're, maybe it's the idea that like the cube is the cube is democracy, and everybody has a different version of democracy. I don't know where you're going with that. Here's why I disagree with what you just said because of the ending of this movie. Yeah, and this is where we're gonna end this. Is Eric ends up uh, helping Cassandra? Cassandra, yeah, you're right. You're right. Get out of the cube, and they end up catching him again. And they tell him that he's been sentenced to two life sentences. 
in the cube, whatever. Yeah. Uh, whatever that means. But they said, we're making some alterations. Basically, they're lobotomizing him. Yeah. And what you see at the very end of the third movie is a direct... It's a direct remake of one of the scenes from the first movie. It pisses me off. Except so much. for with different character names. So in the in the first movie, you have Kazan, the guy who seems to have some sort of cognitive impairment. Yep. And he, in the first movie, he drops into this room and then he says he says this is a green room, and he's he's like I got. Get back to the blue room. I want to get back to the blue room, and he walks over. He starts like bumping his head on the wall, and somebody walks up and holds their hand in front of his forehead and then somebody else in the background says, is it shock or what's wrong with him? And it's, it's, it's verbatim. It's from verbatim, the, first, the, from the, the first exact movie. same scene, the first movie and the third well, movie, but it's with different characters. I well, don't understand why they off. would do it According verbatim. to the Wikipedia, yeah. that, according to the Wikipedia, the three other people in the room yeah. outside of the, the um, cognitively impaired character, yeah. uh, they all reprise characters. They're all like the same people, like according to the Wikipedia. I don't but know. But they how all true have different names. I know. This is what pisses me off about it. If the idea was for Cube Zero to be a prequel to the original Cube, and this leads into that one, why in the fuck would you change the look of the characters? I understand you can't get the same characters back. However, even the Doctor, though, they changed the race of the Doctor. Like it's clearly a different person. Here's why would you do that? Here's how they could have done it. And done it so much better. And this is it meant and, to be though. And this, I don't, that's the thing. Is it I'm, meant to be? I'm not like, sure. I, I if, just don't know. If not, then why do that scene? That why I'm do that so scene shot for shot the same way? I'm so here's how they could have done it. They should have introduced Eric's character with just a first name in in Cube Three. Yeah. Uh, or Cube Zero. Yeah. They should have introduced him with just his first name throughout the entire movie. And then Kazan at the end. And then at the yep. very end. You should have yep. seen that he had his his jumpsuit on with the name Kazan. Yep. yep. And they should have played you. out that scene, and they should have gotten actors to look like. And that would have that agree. actually would have wrapped up brilliantly, it perfectly. It would have wrapped up brilliantly. I I almost want to watch a commentary on this movie to wonder why the fuck they didn't do that. Maybe there's an explanation on it. I don't know. I don't know but like it would like, was, it was so dumb to me. Why they I don't unless there's some underlying reason that actually that we're just not seeing. I don't get it, but why would they? They did this. He had the same like hand ticks. I know, I know. The I same know. bumping his head on the it wall, was, commenting about the green room, the wanting of, to get back to and the, the blue fact room. That it was verbatim dialogue too. Yeah, like I said, the in the first movie that somebody in the background said, "Is it shock?" And the girls, the the uh, the doctor, whoever was holding her hand yeah. in front of his forehead, says, "I think that he's uh, mentally impaired." It was verbatim. It was every everything was exactly the same. So why not do it in that way where it would tie the two movies together? I don't understand. Yeah, it was it was Holloway's character, wasn't it? Uh, was she the she was the doctor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I wish it's I wish confusing. that they would have done that because it would have been kind of a perfect wrap up for the I agree. series. I agree. It would have been great. Uh, that being speak, said, speaking of wrap up, I think it's yep. time to wrap this up. Uh, that was the cube. That's that's the that's the cube series. They're no they're no longer on Netflix, but they are uh, they are on Hulu. So go watch them. Let us know what you think. Mm -hmm. The all in all, I really enjoyed the trilogy a lot. So I agree. Um, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on SoundCloud. Horror Amino, which I'm going to post tomorrow. Oh, oh are you? <laughs> yes. Oh, are you? Yes, okay. I am. Okay. Horror Amino, if, uh, 
Facebook and Instagram at the Buzzed Kill Podcast. What? If you don't post a Horamino by next week, what are we holding him? What are we holding him to? Holding him to the wall and <laughs> punching his throat. That's good. I can deal he with also, that. He also owes us both 20 bucks. Where else can they find us, Michael? <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at the Buzzkill PC and also on iTunes. Tell us something fun about ourselves. I say this every week. No one's telling us that we have good cast rules. No one's telling us that we have, you know. Give us four and a half stars, you know. Yeah, not even five. Four just, and a half. Just four and a half. That's all we have. <laughs> yeah, give us one star. Give us a star. That's all. Just a star. If you want to find J. Rod, you can find me on all social media at Ocean Recording. And also check out www.oceanrecordingstudio.com for all your fantastic audio needs. Yeah, baby. Well, uh, that's it, boys. That was uh, that was fun talking about the Cube movies, Get, uh, the trilogy, the three of us, the trio trilogy of G's. <laughs> I'm done hanging out with these squares. Cheers, cheers, boys. <laughs> Get cubed. This thing is like a giant combination lock. When the rooms are in their starting position, the lock is open. But when they move out of alignment, the lock closes. <laughs> <laughs>